0: The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your- September 28th, 2019 and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com Presented by Hami Media And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com On this week's show, we're going all around the world as we talk some AEW, NXT, ROH, New Japan, and of course some WWE. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans bringing you all the news. It is news from across professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the voice, the crack spider, the
1: real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me. It's me. It's that honor defeated the me. Rick Vickery, back again to hitting the most pro wrestling podcast, and you are exactly right, Jargo. As always, you know we touch all the bases. We hit all the big happenings from you know literally around the world of professional wrestling. Hey, we're settling. We've got a hell of a run, and we are gearing up for what is going to be an epic week in professional wrestling. This might be, do
0: you remember a week that was as epic as this one, where there was more anticipation than this one? I mean, WrestleMania doesn't come close. Wrestle Kingdom doesn't come close. Is there anything that rivals what is about to happen this week inside of the world of professional wrestling? Like since, I
1: don't know, the WWE bought WCW. I was going to say, you know, you, you make that comparison to the grandest week, the weekend of them all, that extended weekend that is WrestleMania, but we've we've been there so many times, you know. We're, we're used to what's happening there, but uh, you know, it is over the top. We've got so many different shows going on, so much coverage, so much happening. But this week here, this is an evolution. This is a game changer. You know, people are just sitting on the edge of their seat, in anticipation to see how this thing's going to unfold, and it's exciting to be a part of it, uh, especially the different platforms that we're on. If it's here with hittingthemarks.com, if it's with the Hami Media Group. Hey, and speaking of uh, epic changes, you know, we're going to get it all going Monday in the locker room. Everything, you know, the the new schedule, the new format, everything new with HMG. And it is very exciting to be a part of all that. And the best part
0: of the entire thing, Huckleberry, is our show doesn't change at all. We get to keep doing the same bullshit that we've been doing for the last couple of years. We're going to set the table, get everybody ready for whatever the week is going to be in professional wrestling, as well as reviewing any shows from over the course of the weekend, which is basically what we've been doing. Evidently, we just got an in like that. For some reason, people like us. Uh, You may hear Huckleberry's phone going off in the background there. There were several dings while he was talking. That is because we are working on breaking news, literally, as we sit down here to record at 1110 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. We'll get a bit into that a little bit later on. Uh, Huckleberry wanted to lead with some AEW talk. Rick, the first shots of this week have been fired already, and they weren't at NXT. They weren't at the WWE But they certainly hit Impact Wrestling. As Impact Wrestling prepares to move to Tuesday nights on Access TV, AEW has signed Kevin Sullivan Television Productions to be their production company going into Wednesday Night Dynamite. Um, On the surface, there's a lot of people that are very upset about this. Most of them are Impact fans. I figure there's about 25, 30 of them that are really pissed off. Um, But the way I read this story... This is entirely on impact for not locking these guys down.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, this is one of the cases. If you snooze, you lose. You, you take something for granted. You think maybe it's going to be there for you. Hey, but this is a cutthroat cutthroat industry. I mean, just you know, outside of professional wrestling itself, it's television, it's entertainment. you got to be on the ball. You know, if someone's going to jump the gun on you, this is a tremendous, tremendous partnership for AEW. Uh, but as you said... Uh, A huge loss for Impact Wrestling.
0: The thing I don't understand is there are people that are upset about this. They're upset that AEW stole the Impact Wrestling production team. Number one, the contract was expired. Impact had the opportunity to lock down Kevin Sullivan television productions, and they didn't. And number two, everybody keeps saying when we look at these AEW shows, one of the biggest complaints about them has been, they really need to get their production together. They need to get some camera guys who are used to shooting wrestling. They need to get directors that are used to you know, timing out these shows. And so they did. They went out and they found themselves a production company that specializes in professional wrestling. There won't be any excuse anymore for missing camera shots when it comes to big spots, which has been one of the biggest rips on AEW Productions thus far. I don't know how many people they think are out there in the world that specialize in professional wrestling as a production team. Like, the IWC is like, they need to get a production team. They go out and get a production team, and they're like, well, no, not that one! What the hell, man? Like, And, and we, we see this, too, with our next story, the Southside Wrestling thing. AEW is going over to the UK to help these guys out, and people are like, oh, well, AEW shouldn't be doing that. That's a shot at
1: the WWE. I think people need to calm the fuck down, man. Well, it, it, what we're seeing here, and it' a little bit of a snowball effect. I mean, it, it's kind of picked up a little steam, but man, I mean, this thing is has, has really picked up some momentum here in the last ten days. As we get ready to go into this big week, we're going to see AEW on television, major television, TNT. The, the haters are coming out of the woodwork. I mean, it seems every move that AEW is making right now, I mean, they are just getting
0: slaughtered by the Mark Tarts. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden, you know, they there for a period of about six or eight months. AEW could do nothing wrong in the eyes of the internet wrestling community. And now all of a sudden, a week before the launch of the TV show
1: on TNT, they can't do anything right. Well, absolutely, you know, in you get that that very vocal minority, and I think that is the case here. I mean, they still have their great supporters. Uh, people are still excited about what's going forward here, and you know, and they know. I mean, this is pretty late in the game to go out and get this production crew, but they realize, you know, this is a this is a different ball game from that. You know, this isn't you know we're going at we're having fun with the the all ins the all outs. You know, we're we're doing things on future report. I mean, like I said, this is a major cable network. I mean, one of the top ones you have got to put your best foot forward. You have to be able to shine. And we're talking about the competition there WWE. You have to be able to look presentable, you know, equal to them, as close as you can if you're going to continue to wow and pull in new consumers, new viewers. And that's exactly what they're doing here. Now, let's look at a couple of things uh, you may have mentioned You know, trying to step in to help the promotion where WWE, who ultimately, I wouldn't say that they're, you know, the -the over-the-top villains here, but to come in, I mean, at a time like this, to pull all that talent, to really, I mean, stick it to the promotion, and have AEW come and say, hey, you know what, we'll try to help you out here. We'll see what we can do. Because it's always, to them, it's been about, you know, satisfying the wrestling consumer on all levels they understand to spread the love they could be just as selfish themselves and not even care about it and let this poor promotion uh, essentially die right there but they want to step up you know it's a good it's a goodwill gesture and great pr for them and now you've got this select this select group of individuals that just want to absolutely just shit all over this thing and it also plays into uh, this this absurd you know these individuals that are beyond upset about the television deal that we're seeing in the UK.
0: Yeah. uh, As far as the television deal goes. And I think these two stories are absolutely related. Um, Obviously they got a ton of bad press out of this UK television deal. And I think the reason is we curbing expectations, right? Like if, if AEW would have come out and said, listen, we're trying to get a deal done in the UK And as soon as we do, we'll be happy to share the product with our our diehard fans over there in the U.K., and people would have been happy with that. But what they did is they came out and said, we're getting a better TV deal in the U.K. than the WWE. Yeah, that's right. We're going to be the big dogs over in the U.K., and then we find out what the deal is, and it's a bunch of shit, and people get pissed. I If they hadn't come out and said that, we're going to have the best UK deal of all the wrestling companies in the world. I don't think people would be nearly as upset, but they built up this expectation Like, I mean, you would think the way some of these U.K. fans are responding that they had promised the U.K. fans that this show is going to air at 7 p.m. U.K. time. We're going to make the Americans get up in the middle of the afternoon to watch our show. We're going to cater strictly to you, like the amount of just ridiculousness that I am seeing from. And, and especially American fans, like, who the fuck are you to get pissed off about AEW and the TV deal in the UK, right? But i am it's like, just anything that we can hate on these guys for, we're going to
1: pile it on tenfold. Well, you know, my first my first thought, when I, you know, I saw, and you kind of turned me on to this thing because it was under my radar. You know, I, I saw the deal and what was happening there. I didn't really understand the full scope and how upset individuals were. Uh, the first thought, though, is I sit back kind of chuckle and stick it to stick it to the UK. Once again, it proves that you're not the, the market. You know, you're not that target that you believe that you are. It's the rest of the world that they're looking at here. But when you're going back to what you had mentioned there, you're talking about maybe AEW overhyping this thing. And you're going to run into that marketing. And I, I have problems with that, too. And there's a lot of times here on the show, you're good at going you, to you pull it back. Don't say anything yet until we get it in the can. So we know it's official. You know what I do? I like to get excited and get the buzzwords out there. And when you're doing that, you usually don't paint a clear picture because you kind of want to lead individuals along. You know, you're you're getting those, you know, those fluffers out there. You're chopping them up a little bit that when the payoff happens, you know, you get that that, that great orgasm, if you will. Uh, But in this case, that the UK base there, they are hungry. They want a promotion to to really care about them. And they felt so slighted by WWE for years. And they're waiting for big events, you know, to have something major happen for them instead of just the, you know, the couple tours that they get a year. That they got overexcited here for AEW. And you know maybe AEW they thought they were getting a better deal. And maybe somewhere along the line it fell apart. But to me now, now I think they're like on what like a second tier station. For that ITV four. I think so, yeah. But it is the free to so, air
0: station, and that's really where the problems
1: originate. Well, you know, and you're always gonna have that difference in the time there. If you want to watch it live. How about giving AEW a little credit here for trying to rectify it that you are going to get a replay, that it is gonna be available for you at a at a decent time, or that they even went out and got a deal with fight, you know, and that you can. There is an option. They could have just scratched that. And so this is what you get, like it or not. At least they're trying to rectify that situation and giving you alternatives if you want to tune in and follow this product.
0: Yeah, five bucks a month. You can watch the thing live. I don't think I've ever seen a group of people so upset that they couldn't get up at one o'clock in the morning to watch a television show. Like it was the most ridiculous thing I think I've
1: ever seen. Well, you know, we were talking up there. It would be it'd be like you and I kicking and screaming, throwing a you know, going Sasha Banks tantrum style. Because New Japan won't cater to us in North America, you know we're tired of getting up at
0: 3 a.m. That's coming later in the show. I'm gonna I'm gonna scream about New Japan and not catering to the United States fans because they're doing it again and it's pissing me off. But I, with all of that said, with this ITV deal, obviously this this issue with Southside Wrestling presents itself aew comes in saves the day they get a little bit of good press out of this thing and hopefully turn around some of those fans right I mean ideally isn't that the situation that we're dealing with
1: oh well, absolutely you know and it again can we give them a little credit for trying to rectify this situation of making a bad situation you know tolerable or good and, and but you still got a lot of those diehards over there that are seems so unwilling to to forgive or accept it you know that things need to be able to continue and evolve they haven't even hit the area they haven't even the portion hasn't even really it's in its infancy right now give it some time they're gonna learn they're gonna grow here they're gonna need your continued support well that's it's
0: kind of like the these guys aren't telling any stories can can you wait for the fucking tv to start like Can can we have that conversation six weeks from now? Can we wait for the TV to start before you start accusing them of not telling any stories when you refuse to watch being the elite and you refuse to watch the road to TNT? And then you're like, well, they're not telling any stories. Well, they don't have a platform to tell any stories until Wednesday.
1: Well, I mean, I I agree with you there in a sense, but. They're not telling any stories. Well get off your fucking lazy ass and go watch, you know, go watch what they're doing on social media. They're telling tremendous stories.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Let's talk a little bit about Wednesday night dynamite, the debut on TNT. We have a bit of a card here. Uh Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Gawarva. That's gonna kick things off. That's gonna be the first match on TNT. And Rick, again, kind of along these same lines. We're seeing a Cody backlash. People are accusing Cody of basically being the Triple H of AEW, and Cody can't stop putting himself over. And Cody has to be at the center of everything that's going on. Rick, let me ask you a question. Other than Chris Jericho, who is the AEW World Heavyweight Champion right now? Who's the next
1: biggest star in that company? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, it's Cody. I know. You know, we're going to have some people immediately jump. Oh, Kenny Omega, uh, no. Cody's had more exposure. By far. You know, he's, he's got tr- a tremendous resume and, and by far has the second, you know, the second greatest exposure in that company. And, and, you know, like he's he's gonna wrestle the first match. Uh his MJF didn't do him any favors when the tweet was just of the truck with with Brandy and Cody on it. Everybody just absolutely losing their mind over a production truck. Well, which is ridiculous. Like that was the only
0: production truck that they have. No, because I've also seen one with Hangman on it, and I've seen one with Jericho on it. And it's like, dude, just simmer simmer your jets. I mean, even Brandy at this point, she's doing that Real Housewives thing. She's more over than Kenny Omega right now. As fucked up as it is to say that, Brandy Rhodes is more over than Kenny Omega. And yes, that will be the title of this week's episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. It, it, you know, it plays into too. You know, people that just refuse to understand it. When you get that little crossover appeal, when you are on reality television, you're doing something like that. You're opening eyes. You're, you're turning on, you know, your product to a new consumer, that new audience. It's the same thing that you know what we screw up all the time on this show. Nikki Bella, the Bellas are o- are more over than ninety eight percent of the WWE roster. Yeah, and, and people absolutely lose their minds over. It, but it's it's a fact. It is a hard truth. And it's because of their crossover appeal, their attractiveness. You're going to do a You get out there and market brandy correctly. She's one of the most beautiful women in the world. She's involved with your wrestling promotion. She's going to pull eyes. She's going to pull viewers. And people are going to be a little interested in what the hell AEW stands for, what it's all about. Now, and then going back to, you know, the Cody on the truck, as you said, that was one truck. They have multiple trucks going around. You know, I, I don't know why no one could even figure that out. And then look at who shared it. It's MJF. It's his, it's his little buddy. It's his, you it's know, his, his best protégé. friend. Yeah. Of course. I mean, re- go a little deeper into something, you damn mark and maybe you, you understand what's happening. What? Well, here's those individuals that were complaining about that. They're the ones that c- c- complain that there's no stories because they won't go out of their way to actually understand and see what the hell is going on.
0: Yeah, you have to actually watch the product to get the stories that they're telling. I know. Crazy, right? Uh, The AEW Women's Championship will be crowned on the very first episode of Wednesday Night Dynamite. Nyla Rose versus Riho. Uh, Rick, I have defended this entire thing with Nyla Rose until I am blue in the face because I have been pushing this narrative that it's not AEW trying to advance their agenda. Nyla Rose isn't in this position because she's trans. This is the wrestling media that has been pushing this narrative. In fact, they never even said that Nyla Rose was trans on AEW TV. Well, that changed this past Wednesday on the road to TNT. She came out and there was a sit down interview. She brought it up. So now I guess it's fair game.
1: I'm really hoping Riho wins this title. Why? You know, going back to they, they have finally acknowledged this thing. And, you know, they're in. With good reason. You know, we've speculated before, you know, behind closed doors, you know, they, they are a little more, they, they go to the left or they go into, is this going to be something they want to get out there for the press and all that. But for them to outwardly finally come out and acknowledge this thing, I wonder if this is AEW was just paying attention to what media and what social media is talking about. And, in, and instead of just continually to let one of their talents be, you know, bashed or, you know, have this movement kind of be, you know, taken out from under them that they just said, okay, we're going to address it. You know it, we know it, let's clear let's clear the air here. We're going to talk openly about it and see where this thing goes. I, I still think she takes this thing.
0: I can't help but think that part of the reason that they went ahead and addressed it on the road too was this Twitter controversy that she got herself into over the course of the past week. Some Mark Tard was going at her on Twitter, and finally she just absolutely went off and, and – just tore this guy into a new asshole and then she deleted the tweet and apologized for putting it out she didn't apologize to the mark she just apologized for putting it out there and rick i we're kind of seeing the same thing with seth rollins seth rollins has now deactivated his twitter account after he was making fun of sasha banks and her ludicrous tweets he got tired of the mark he has deleted his twitter um people can only take so goddamn much I mean, you know, you, you keep going at these people, and it's not just you, the person listening to this. It's you, all of the people listening to this, and you, all of the people not listening to this. Like, how many times do you suppose Nyla Rose has been mentioned on Twitter in some kind of a negative connotation? And she woke up one day, and she got out of bed on the wrong side of the bed. She wasn't having a good day. She goes to Twitter, she starts reading this bullshit, and she breaks on this one Mark Tard. I don't fucking blame her. I've seen some of the things said about Nyla Rose on. I've defended Nyla Rose on fucking Twitter. I can't imagine how she feels logging into that. I think Seth Rollins has it right. I think all these pro wrestlers should
1: just delete this bullshit. Well, I mean, not to expose a lot of our business, but we've been in meetings this week where this was a a hot topic. Uh, You know, how you handle yourself on social media, because. You know, you're not just representing yourself; you're representing different brands and overall, you know what's best for business for everybody. You have to be very careful with how you handle yourself, and especially on Twitter. There's, you know, one of the reasons I stay a little bit away from Twitter is because it's so hard to hide behind a mask. You get all these trolls on there. You can have whatever handle you'd like. Uh, it's not really graphic-driven, so you don't you can't really look into profiles where they're coming from, and you have a lot of these keyboard warriors there that are going to attack you, and eventually, you know. You go at anyone enough times, they're going to break a little bit, and you're going to see someone snap like this. And I'd hate to, you know, if you agree with the lifestyle or not, I mean, it is a human being. You know, have some decency about yourself. You don't agree with it, then don't mention on it. Don't pay, you know, don't make it a part of your life. We don't need your opinion on it. You know, if, if you don't have the balls to put your real name out there, a profile pick of yourself, then shut the hell up. Yep. Completely agree. And, and, and again, though, you know, we have, you, you regularly hear uh, over on the Homin Media Group platform, uh, Ben and Stevie. You know, they've been, they've, they've been there. They've been in big promotions. They've been in big spots like this. And they regularly talk about, you know, how important social media is and how you handle yourself there. Uh, hell, you know, in my profession, I do hospitality marketing. I'll never bash any restaurant. I've had terrible experiences before, but I refuse to do that because I don't want a potential another client or future client of mine to see that and be like, why don't why don't do I want this guy represent? That's not a positive light for you know for this industry. You have to you have to be very strategic in how you present yourself online.
0: Yep, completely agreed. Uh, speaking of uh, this promotion that doesn't tell any kind of stories, uh, your next match is going to be Hangman Page versus Pac which was set up at their very, very first press conference. Of course, this match was supposed to go down at double or nothing, and then Pac got pulled because of Dragon Gate, and then Pac returned it All Out to face off with Kenny Omega, and Pac walked in on Hangman Page's uh, uh, post-media scrum and laughed him out of the building for losing to Chris Jericho. Finally, we are going to see Hangman Page versus Pac. Huckleberry, I'm a little surprised they're giving this away in that first episode of TNT. I thought this match would go down at full gear.
1: Yeah, well was it I can't remember if it was in a locker room or here on the Hitty March Pro Wrestling Podcast, guess but a week or so ago. It was last week. We were talking about what is, you know, what do you what do you come out of the gate with here? I mean, you gotta set a tone for, you know, this potential new Wednesday night wars. Uh you're gonna need something big. And I think if you've been following along, I mean these guys, especially Pac, he's he's recognizable. Uh he's an absolute beast inside that ring. With, you know. We've got a a whole new attitude from him. You're looking to get Hangman into a big spot here. He's a future star for you. You want him to shine. Uh, I think this is a perfect match for the opener. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if this is just another continuation and we see this thing roll over, you know, this is just another kind of turn in, in the story between these two.
0: Just another chapter. Uh, another magic. This one kind of surprised me a little bit. I'm a little surprised they're putting this on TNT. Although they've been they've been trying to build Brandon Cutler up and they're trying to make you care about Brandon Cutler. Uh, unfortunately, Brandon Cutler very much comes across as create a pro wrestler number 14 on WWE 2K19. There's just nothing about him at this point that I am emotionally invested in. And he is gonna take on the hottest. Team possibly in the world of professional wrestling right now in MJF. Why Rick?
1: Well, I think, you know, ultimately you you do have, you need some filler time here. So you you pull Cutler out there, as you said, a kind of Mr. Generic. It's going to be interesting how they're presenting here, but you know, maybe it's one of those, okay, then it's a, you know, shit or get off the pot. We're going to throw you out there, see how you do on live television, see what kind of reaction you get. But I think the overall thing here. He's going to be more there, you know, a, a second, a secondary story, as opposed to we need to get a huge spotlight on MJF. We have got to get him out there. I uh, expect you know he's going to cut one of his just uh, incredible promos. He's going to have people just you know that, that haven't really been exposed to him. They're going to fall in love with him immediately. You got to get MJF out there. I think that's what this match is all about.
0: I'm I'm hoping MJF kind of tones back a little bit of what he's been doing. And I say that only in the respect that a lot of what he's doing, I consider cheap indie heat where he'll come out and he'll just kind of rip on the fans and it's like super cartoony. And I feel like it works in an independent setting. I'm not sure that it connects with the masses as far as TNT goes. And I think MJF is better than that. I, I think he can come out and he can cut those promos that we're looking for. I just hope he dials back a little bit of that indie kind of heat.
1: Why well, you does know, I'm looking here at the at the match card. I'm hoping that we get, you know, you know, almost a blueprint of a young Chris Jericho.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice.
1: Uh your main event
0: of the evening is going to be The Elite taking on Chris Jericho and two mystery partners. Uh now Rick, this is interesting because for a while everybody was just assuming that it was going to be the Dead President. And obviously, it's not going to be LAX, PNP, the dead presidents, whatever you want to call them at this point. Um, but we've seen them on TV already. So would they really be that big of a surprise? Like, I'm, I'm very curious who these two mystery partners are going to be. And I'm really hoping that it's not something like we saw go down this week on NXT, where they were billing Kushida into two mystery partners. And as much as I love him, they came out with Tyler Breeze and Fondango, And it was kind of like, you know, somebody just stuck a needle in the balloon and kind of popped the thing. Like Breezango are not worthy of being two mystery History partners. I'm hoping that this is actually too like I'm, I'm kind of leaning at this point to where it's two singles.
1: Well, I was really thinking about this, as you said, it, is it almost too obvious that, you know, that we're getting PMP, the dead presidents, or whatever you were going to go with there. Uh, it, it seems that they, they had to bring them out early if that was the, the eventual plan here. We, we don't know that, but do, if you really understand you know, how this creative team works at AEW, how they put things together. It's as if everything happens for a reason. And so looking at this thing, I'm trying to figure out who is out there that potentially has some sort of tie to Chris Jericho. It would be available to come into this thing.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing that's really strange because when you think about Chris Jericho and this incredible career that Chris Jericho has put together I don't ever remember Chris Jericho being a member of a faction. I don't remember Chris Jericho really having like outside of Lance Storm going all the way back to to Mid-South. You know, I don't remember him having a regular tag team partner, anybody that he was like notoriously traveling with. Like Jericho is truly like the last of that generation. He's like an old school cowboy.
1: We'll get like uh Lance Storm and uh, was it Ralphus <laughs> Ralphus? Yeah, Lance Storm and Ralphus. That's what we're going with. <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean who I mean who would, who could be available out here? You know, who could, could show up here that would really uh I, I guess wow the masses? Uh, is there any is there individuals on on the roster that you'd like to see? I mean, it, where's Mox at in his recovery? Right. Well, Moxley is being
0: advertised for this first episode on TNT, but it sounds like they have a talking segment planned for Moxley. They're just going to give John Moxley a live microphone the first episode of TNT and come whatever may, I assume.
1: I could see that. You know, in the, to make the, the Cincinnati Times, I could see him uh, channeling a bit of Brian Pillman from ECW. Yeah. Uh, when, he, you know, when he introduced the, you know, the, smart, the smart marks, the smart promo. Something along those lines. Um, and Moxley kind of plays I've been into this about thing, too. there.
0: I'm sorry, what was that?
1: Well, I was going to say, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if maybe he does double duty or he does come out for the main event. He, he says, hey, I'm going to be one of the partners.
0: Well, yeah, because we are building the Kenny versus Moxley.
1: Yeah, he said, hey, I missed you last time. I'm getting a piece of your ass tonight. And then, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, he's still not done. He wants to go after Cody's boys, maybe Sean Spears. So maybe Moxley and Spears.
0: Yeah, I I could I could get behind that, and they're all WWE guys, so there, there's that connection as well.
1: Well, I was gonna say you make that you make that connection: former WWE guys versus the elite who all turned down WWE, you know, turned down, if you will, to go start AEW, and you're getting you know people that have had exposure. You're getting them in a match. Uh, more so you're, you're reintroducing Spears to that larger audience. Uh, yeah, I, I think I could go with those two there.
0: I, I think the, the bigger story that's going to be far more interesting to watch... And this is because we absolutely nailed the shit out of what's going on with Kenny Omega last Monday inside of the locker room at I think I was the only pundit on the face of the planet that actually realized this was a work until Kenny Omega came out on BTE and just straight up told everybody that it's a work. And, you know, the only people that are dumber than the marks that pay for the tickets are the wrestlers themselves. I mean, It was absolutely fantastic. A killer promo out of Kenny Omega. And I couldn't help but notice that he was wearing the cleaner glasses as he cut that entire promo. Now, Rick, obviously the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega couldn't be further apart right now, yet we're going to have the Elite on this first episode of TNT. I'm wondering if we're starting to split up the Elite, because obviously we have to break up the Elite now that the, the actual promotion is starting. What do you think of going with the heel Kenny Omega to kick things off on TNT.
1: No, I, I really like it, uh, and I it only really needs like a full heel heel, you know, because I, I I do like going back what Cody said. They're going to create characters. They're going to give you a persona. They're going to present a persona and let you decide how do you want to react to it. Are you going to accept it? Do you want to do you want to boo it? Are you gonna cheer it? Are you gonna love it? You're gonna hate it? I think that is the direction that, that this business is going, where you're getting away from that traditional. Uh, in not every sense, because you 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 do need those defining characters. But it's okay to have someone with that gray area, because we see you know like in NXT with Undisputed Era, that you know, we made a comparison last week to them to the Wolf Pack. You know, they they still need to be edgy, but the fans are going to go towards them. So you, they want they want that cool factor. And no matter where you go with Kenny, you know you're probably instead of you know white meat baby face you're gonna get more of more of a positive reaction out of it from the cleaner. You know, yeah. people are hungry for those for those badasses, There's bad boys. And that's it's just a fact of life. I mean look at all you know the popularity around the Joker here. I mean this guy's a psychopath killer on the surface and, and you know I mean, people are just collaborating towards him. They love him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're gonna have you're gonna have that. Uh, one thing I thought he, he the promo was masterful. I mean hit excellent delivery, but as you said, you know that he has to come out and explain that it is a work It's the same thing It's the same thing with Lacey Evans Everyone was so pissed off that she got into it With that cop and it, It's And You're overthinking
0: you're, But the thing the difference, to me, come out. the difference to me was Lacey Evans came out And basically issued an apology For working everybody on this thing Kenny Omega It was like the way that this was presented was The promo was over the camera just happened to keep on rolling as Kenny's just going off about, Oh my God, these people, they can't even tell when I'm in character and when it, when it's a shoot and you know, the, the, fr- the fucking marks who actually pay to come and watch this shit. And the only people that are bigger marks than the marks themselves are the fucking wrestlers. And then he goes off about Dominic dickhead, otherwise known as Donovan Dijakovic. I mean, like it, it's just, it's absolutely hilarious to me. The, the incredibly different presentations of this thing where Lacey comes out As the real person behind the character And says I'm sorry I worked you I shouldn't Have done that and Kenny's like these Fucking marks
1: Which I say I I liked I liked how they presented it but that we're even To the point where you have to do it In in any fashion I I mean How how bottom feeder are the base of wrestling fans So that they can't separate these two Or figure out what the hell is going on That you need the talents to hold your hand through this thing
0: Yeah, and, and well And I think that's just basically the way WWE has trained people Over the course of the last 10 to 15 years Inside of the social media world And,
1: and what was a big deal anyway? It was a Canadian law, law enforcement Yeah, they are No I would respect them I mean, they still ride horses, right? They're the fucking Mounties. Hold on a minute here. I could, hold on. Hey, Canada. There we go.
0: There you go. Let's talk a little bit about NXT. So this week, Huckleberry, we saw episode two, the last episode opposite of AEW Wednesday Dynamite. They have loaded up next week, including limited commercials. Did you get a chance to check out this week's show? And do you think that they set the table appropriately Going into next week, because I think AEW is just going to beat their freaking pants off.
1: Well, I was going to tell you a little alarming. You know, we would talk about from that week one, that first hour where they had that that weird split thing going on. The number that they pulled in, you know, was that was that where was that at? Was that a ceiling? Was it a floor? I mean, and I put over, you know, that's that's your measuring point right there. Unfortunately, they were not able to retain that. They saw a drop down 15%. They saw a drop. And I think, you know, I, I didn't put so much stock into it. I, it was more of a preseason. It's a, a dress rehearsal, trying to get them ready for when this thing actually goes live. You know, we're, we're talking about AEW kind of learning on the fly here. Of course, NXT has been around for a while. They've done live, you know, on the network. But now that we're going to actual television, this is a much different beast and as great as WWE is with their production, this crew from NXT, this is something very new to them. So they they needed this this preseason of sorts to get themselves straight to figure things out. But looking back at it now, I think it was just a terrible idea to do that one hour, and then switch over to the network. There, I think it was more so. I mean, it, it might have been very helpful for them, but I think it confused a lot a lot of the viewers.
0: So what's your viewing habit going to be this week? Like, wh- what is your game plan for AEW and NXT? Which are you going to try to catch live? Which are you going to watch on delay?
1: Uh, I'm going back to, uh, hey, you know, when it was Nitro versus Raw, I went out, I, I saved up money and bought a second television. You know, I'm in high school, you know, working a you know a, a minimum wage job. I did get limited hours because I'm involved in sports and all that stuff. Like if I get 15, 20 hours on the weekend, saved up, bought a television second television. I'm going to watch both. Uh, I will probably have, which is going to influence their numbers, I'll probably, for the early going, I'll have AEW on the television and have NXT on the laptop.
0: My, uh, my kind of my game plan, obviously I'm not going to watch either show live, um, but I do intend to watch AEW when I get home on Thursday morning and then I'll catch NXT Thursday evening, you know?
1: Well, and it You do have that option, which is nice because you can still, you know, have that regular viewing where, okay, we got NXT to replay on the network, which is not out of the norm. That's where you're used to going and watching it. Just watch that on Thursday. But overall, yeah, I mean, this is, this is exciting that they're going to be going head to head and we're going to see how NXT evolves, you know, in itself, but it's still been around for a while. And I mean, that's just human nature. I mean, we got AEW is, you know, that, that hot new girl at school, you know, you know, there's nothing wrong with with the old hot girl, but we've known her for a couple of years. She's been around the block. Now this, this new girl comes in. She's going to get that attention. And AEW needs to realize, too. I mean, that's all the more importance on them to come out of the gate strong here. Uh, and they they start, you know, they we start seeing production errors. Week one, week two, people are quickly going to jump back to NXT because it's a safety net.
0: I think NXT is going to be very, very interesting this week. Let's take a look at last week's show real quick. Keith Lee defeats Dominic Dickhead to open things up. Uh, Rick, I thoroughly expected that this was going to be my match of the week. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. And then I watched Ring of Honor last night, and I think there was actually a match that overtook it. Um, the bad news coming out of this match is it sounds like Dominic Dickhead, uh, did something to his spine on that apron bump from Keith Lee. Uh, and it sounds like he is kind of day to day at this point. We're not exactly sure what the health status
1: of Dominic Dickhead is. Hey, you gotta wonder if, uh, if Kenny got to it during their little, uh, Twitter exchange last week, cause you know. Jack, he was really, you know, he was putting over, hey, when him and Lee, when they were a pro-wrestling gorilla, they went out there and stole the show. They were looking to, you know, not only repeat that, but take it to the next level. No pun intended there, Mr. Bella, but they're looking to take that thing to the next level and maybe he came back to bite him in the ass, you know, taking an unnecessary bump like that.
0: Yep, that's the way things sound. Uh, Dakota Kai returned this week. You know, Rick, it's absolutely crazy to me. I got to thinking about this. When Dakota Kai got injured we all thought that they were kind of poising her to be the one to challenge Shayna Baszler to take that title away from Shayna Baszler. Baszler has just been champion the whole time Dakota Kai has been out. I believe next Wednesday she will hit an official year that she has been the NXT Women's Champion.
1: Oh, very interesting. I know it's a story. It was disappointing when Dakota went down. You know, a lot of people were excited about her, but hey, on the other side of the coin here, very excited to see her return, get get back to action to see you know, what kind of impact she's going to have here in this division.
0: I take it back. I don't think it'll be a full year. It's like 361 days. Uh, Matt Riddle defeats Killian Dane to become the number one contender to Adam Cole's championship. That match is going to happen next week on NXT. Uh, but they have also come out and said that Matt Riddle broke Adam Cole's arm. Uh, that Adam Cole has a fracture in that arm. I assume that's all a work thanks to that arm bar from Matt Riddle to uh, close out the uh, USA broadcast this past week. Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole. Does that excite you, Huckleberry?
1: Hey, you know, we talked about that first head-to-head. That was one of the matches I threw out there. At you. I said that that should close their show. Give us some hype. We've got the story with the arm. That gives us something to run through the show with. With Cole trying to, you know, maybe he brings his own medical team in and they're refusing, but WWE, you know, NXT medical, the medical staff is saying, dude, you're okay.
0: Trying to wheasel. And his we get that
1: tease. We get that we get we're telling that story for the two hours to see is this gonna pay off for this main event that's gonna keep you kind of hooked. I pitched it to you last week. Let's go with a title match. Let's end it in chaos, and then we'll keep on rolling towards the next uh, takeover. Well, I expected this match to be
0: at the next takeover. Um, it, supposedly, it was supposed to be at the last takeover, so I, I kind of had this penciled in for Takeover War Games. But now I really think they're going to do Undisputed Era versus Imperium, which takes the championship completely out of the equation. So it makes total sense to do it on that first show against AEW.
1: Rhea Ripley. Well, you know what I do here. Sorry to cut you out there, John. I, I think this all ties together. You want to keep you want to keep Riddle hot. You want to keep him up at that top that top tier there. So let's have Imperium come out and ruin that match and just lay waste to everybody. Uh, that sets some things up there. You find something to keep Riddle kind of uh, occupied at going into uh, Takeover, but then you know he, you reemerge there. He's still after Cole. He's got something else going on, and then after War Games, he's right back on his trail.
0: Nine times out of ten, I would completely agree with you. Do you want the main event of your first show against AEW to end in a schmas finish, though? Like, I feel like you want to go with clean finishes over
1: strong on on that first show. I, I think at this point here, I, I don't. I wouldn't go clean. I, I want chaos. I want a cliffhanger, and then you introduce Superior. I mean, you got Walter there, who I know you got over the top on him, uh, but people loved him, and you now you're introducing. Uh, another ultimate faction that's going to rival Undisputed Era. Uh, I think you get that cliffhanger. Anything can happen here in NXT. This is where you need to be on Wednesday nights. You know, stick with us on social media. We're going to try to get some developments, but it's really going to unfold next week. I'd love to see something like that.
0: Poor Matt Riddle. You put him in there with Adam Cole and Walter. He immediately becomes the third biggest star in that match, and he's the only freaking baby face of the goddamn bunch. Rhea Ripley defeats Caden Carter, formerly known as Lacey Lane. Um, Not really sure what that's all about other than... I don't expect any independent talent to come into NXT and maintain their old names anymore with the Wednesday night wars. We're, it seems like we're going back to WWE trademarked names, basically, so you can't take your gimmick with you. Lorkin and Birch defeat Chase Parker and Matt Martell, who evidently are gonna be more than jobbers because they actually have a tag team name now called Ever Rise. Cameron Grimes defeats Raul Mendoza. What do you what are you thinking of the former Trevor Lee inside of? of NXT because it's just not clicking for me yet.
1: I was going to say, you know, such great expectations when he came in and it came in pretty damn hot here. Uh, But as you said, there's just something that it it just seems to be, you know, missing the mark with him right now. Uh, Hopefully they can figure that out because he's one hell of a talent.
0: Yeah, he, he went from the Carolina Caveman to the Carolina Carney. It seems like that was the uh, the change in the gimmick. Uh, Kushida and Breezango defeat Imperium, and then after the match, Walter would attack Kushida, so it seems as though, at some point anyway, we're going to get Kushida versus Walter, and I'm really looking forward to that matchup, even though I, nothing says I should, but I think Kushida is small. I think Walter's going to be able to toss him around like a sack of freaking potatoes. He's going to create a ton of motion and just make Walter's offense look freaking dominant.
1: You know, I, I know you've been going back and watching some of the Nitros. You've been kind of uh, stringing those along, watching any of those, you know, in succession, trying to follow their stories, reliving all those great moments. Uh, I myself, I was checking out, the, you know, going back and reliving a little bit of the uh, the highlights from the Nitro glory days and all that. There's one thing there that always stands out to me and I never get tired of. And it's anytime there is interaction between Kevin Nash and Ray Mysterio. Oh yeah, yep. Uh, especially, you know, one of the in, in my mind, one of the most iconic moments the of The Night Wars was the dart. Yep. Uh, and then you know, there's other like I was watching one just uh just before I dozed off last night after work. Ray comes in, it, Nash is in there clearing the ring, and it's just a simple clothesline. Mm-hmm. And Ray does like a, a 360. Goes full on inside out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, every time those two got together, it was just magic between those two. And it was just, it was very simple. It was just big old Nash beating the shit out of this little guy. That's what I'm looking forward to here.
0: I remember when I was going through and watching all those old Nitros, uh, that episode of Nitro with the, the lawn dart, um, I had actually went out to have a cigarette. And I came back in and they were talking about it. And I was like, oh, damn, I missed the lawn dart. It's like one of my favorite moments in in Nitro history. Thankfully, they show it like fifteen times on on a freaking highlight
1: afterwards. Well, I mean, there's you have those few moments, and we usually talk about things like when we were, you know, like kids, kids. But in the attitude there there's you have those few moments in any span of your in your wrestling fandom that you just remember. You remember sitting there, what you were doing when it happened, and this is that's probably in my top in my top five. Yeah, I
0: would agree with that. That, w- that. that would be a fun list to make up. We'll have to look forward to that. Uh, so next week, with limited commercials, we're going to have basically a takeover, Huckleberry, the way that they've laid this thing out. Shayna Baszler defends the NXT Women's Championship against one tough cupcake, Candice LeRae. The Street Profits go after the Undisputed Era to try to get back their tag team championships. Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. And then we have Johnny Gargano versus Shane Thorne, which they've been building to for weeks, all Although I find it very odd Gargano was not on either one of those first two debut episodes on USA and they're advertising the Velveteen dream experience. Let your mind run wild with whatever that may, might possibly be.
1: You know, as we look here, we're you look at the tail of the tape. I'd have to say I'm leaning towards, uh, if we're just looking at strength of schedule and what they're bringing to us, I'd have to say NXT has the edge.
0: Yeah, but the anticipation, I think
1: AEW is going to blow their pants oh, okay. off. Well, you know, 100% agree with you there, because it's the anticipation. It's something brand new. As you said, this is a takeover. I know what to expect from takeovers. Right. But if I'm looking at, and this is one of the advantages that NXT does have, though, is we do know these talents. We, we You know, there is more, you know, we know the stories with AEW because we, we watch them. But for, you know, your average viewer... They're probably more into what's going on with NXT, and this looks like a stellar card here. So you've got you've got that foundation built in with NXT. You know what takeovers bring. This looks like a you know a cable a, a cable takeover, but then there's the anticipation of AEW.
0: Yep, curiosity killed the cat, and the cat's going to be NXT. You know. Uh, And and then, Huckleberry, I threw this in just for you because I know how anxious you have to be. The anticipation has been building for months. Total Divas is going to debut on the USA Network immediately following NXT. It's moving from E over to USA. This is going to be right after NXT and... I, I can't help but wonder between NXT and Total Divas, are they going to make up for that goddamn rating that SmackDown has, is leaving the network?
1: Like between those two shows, will that make up for it? You know, I, I, I like this movie. You know, and you know me, I'm my guilty pleasures. I I'm a sucker for cheesy reality television. Absolutely love it. I've fallen off the last couple of seasons, but you know, I, I reg. I'll binge watch them when they're running like a, a Saturday marathon or something like that. But I enjoy Total Divas. But you, you gotta wonder. I mean, this is a smart move because look at the success of Ms. and Mrs. when it and it comes off the heels of WWE programming. So as you're sitting there, I mean, well, what the hell is you gonna flip to? I mean, you just leave the you just leave the channel on and you kind of just you know transition in. Sometimes it happens without you even noticing.
0: I'll be curious to see what the uh, Total Divas viewership looks like against that second hour of NXT on the USA Network. That'll be very, very interesting to me.
1: How, How bad would that be if you see an increase?
0: Oh, man. Uh, So NXT this week, they dropped 15%. They were just over a million viewers. I guess next week, what are you using as the measuring stick for next week? Because I think if NXT does 841,500 viewers, I think that's a success for them.
1: Yeah, you know, right now, I mean, coming out of it, this is such a different ballgame. You know, for NXT, coming out of that preseason mode. And now, you know, everyone's been talking about this, the first head-to-head. I don't think there was so much, you know, at stake investment in those in that trial run there for two weeks. I mean, we're talking this is the real deal. This is legit. I and mean, this all around. People are excited about this. We're, we're getting a shake up. No pun intended No, shake up on Monday night. You know, we're going to see Wednesday night head to head. What's what's Fox going to what's going to be going on there? People are going to be excited all week about this. Now, I've had a dozen or so people even coming up to me and asking, hey, "What's up with this? you know, WWE's going to to Fox because, you know, they're, they're doing a tremendous job. Fox is behind them uh, 110%. You know, they're running it during baseball games or football games. People are coming up. What's going on here? We heard there's all these exciting changes. And people come up. What's this AEW thing? What's this all about? So even, you know, there's throwbacks. The the lost, the lost four, uh potential new fans. They're interested. The word's out there. The buzz is there. You know, let's see how many people tune in. Yeah.
0: It's going to be fascinating. I'm going to go 841.5 for NXT, and they would write that up as a win. For AEW, I think 1.5 million. I think they will write that up as a win. Uh, Rick, one thing that is going to be interesting to watch is what the viewership number looks like compared to the rating. Because the rating will be done more so in real time, but they figure same night. DVR into the rating and the viewership now so if you watch AEW and DVR NXT and right after AEW you watch NXT your viewership will count for both shows so it's going to be interesting to see what that number kind of looks like you know if we get a number that's closer to 2 million you can bet that's probably 500,000 people that watched both shows
1: Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, you have to consider, too, how many individuals are going to go the route that I am? You know, one of them is going to be on a laptop.
0: Well, there's there's no way to track that. Unless uh, if if you're not watching a a legal stream through a cable provider, there's no way to track that. And that means that your viewership doesn't count into the rating anyway. So it's basically irrelevant. It's kind of like you don't vote.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, how many are going to go that route and which ones are they going to choose?
0: Yeah. And there's no way to track that. There's
1: no way to track that. And
0: I'm soon going to be joining you on that list. Uh, let's talk about ROH because nobody else is right now. Uh, ROH presented Death Before Dishonor last night. Um, Rick, I, I was this was kind of a mixed bag show for me. I enjoyed the show overall, but there was some stuff on here that I just I shook my head and went. And that's why Ring of Honor is where Ring of Honor is right now.
1: You know, my biggest issue with this, and completely, you know, I, I fire this thing up, they start hyping this thing, and it's been something that I have been dogging, dogging on Ring of Honor about for months now. And it is these just nonsense, how, you know, number one contender situations. You know, usually just in some you know, arbitrarily throw out a match or something like that. Now we're getting a tournament to decide who is going to go on to challenge at final battle. I mean, to me, this is absolutely asinite. It's because, you know, what I've been complaining about the entire time, it's a, a huge problem with Ring of Honor. And I really started thinking about this thing. You know, I'm always one that's sitting there, you know, and Professor was complaining about this in the live discussion. I saw you know, saw him commenting on it over on uh, Facebook and Homie Media Discussion Group. They're handing out another number one contender. I mean, I feel like they have half a dozen people that are already entitled to an opportunity at that championship. What about giving us some great characters? and putting them in intriguing storylines and having a build that we can get invested in instead of, okay, they just went out and out-wrestled these people and have earned an opportunity. I get Ring of Honor. That's what you're about. Your pure wrestling style, yada, 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 whatever. That's not selling anything for you. That's why you are being left behind in professional wrestling right now. People want to get on AEW. They're not telling any stories. Where the hell are my stories at, Ring of Honor? Hey, you're mid-card? You got some nice things going on. But how about you do it in your spotlight, in your marquee, in your main event, in your world title picture? Matt Taven was one of the hardest-working champions. He was a workhorse. Unfortunately, there was very little to care about in many of those matches. Yep, they never gave him any kind of
0: creative program.
1: Well, the ones that you maybe had somewhat you were invested in, you had to go back and you were reaching for things. And I'm thinking about like a Jay Lethal, where two years ago they had history. And now, because Jay just won a number one contenders match, you know, a four-way or something, now we're supposed to reinvest into that? No, and, and this especially, you're having this tournament for the for the opportunity to go to final battle. That's when we should care the most. This is their biggest event of the year. This is where you made your name. And now you're just going to have this thing unfold within inside of a tournament for us? That is absolute garbage, Ring of Honor. You should be better than that. Go back to the fundamentals, 101 of professional wrestling. Get us invested. Make us care because right now you are completely missing the mark, and that is why you're being left behind.
0: We were talking earlier, and I I had made the comment about how I expected Keith Lee versus Dominic Dickhead to be my match of the week, and then one of the Ring of Honor matches stole it. Here was the problem. It was on the fucking pre-show. Brody King versus Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb comes out on top. The match goes about 12 minutes and 51 seconds. Rick, this match was freaking
1: insane. Why was this on the fucking pre-show? Well, hey, I will give him a little bit of credit here. This was a tremendous match. You said, I mean, this this shocked you. This became, you know, arguably the the match of the weekend of the week, whatever you want to say here. Hey, we always talk about doing business on your pre-show, right? You wanted to get people hooked to watch the rest of this thing? These guys absolutely sold you, you know, just as the in-ring ability here. Two absolute incredible talents. Uh, and it just makes you really want more from these guys. Get, You know, get Cobb more involved. You know, let's see a little more uh, cutthroat from him. I mean, this guy has – I mean, he's a bulldozer. He's a bulldog. And then the other side, I mean, any guy, King, absolutely. Brody is a freaking beast inside that ring.
0: Brody King is one of the worst handled talents inside of Ring of Honor in the last year. And the only reason that I say that is because they they said on commentary, this was his first singles match in Ring of Honor. You've had him there since last December, and this is his first singles match? Like Brody King could be a legitimate TV title contender
1: by now. Easily. Easily. To oh, he should be. In there. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they they confuse things there. Everything gets kind of, you know, bunched up and he has taken a second seat. You know, you got the persona of, of Marty and then, you know, just who's taken off here, who is just, you know, stolen the hearts of everyone at PCL.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this was a fantastic match. Brody King keeps having singles matches and puts out work efforts like this. He's going to be right in that mix. Jeff Cobb is just freaking fantastic. Uh, The other problem, though, Rick, and I feel like this is going to be a theme kind of going throughout this ROH conversation, both of these guys' contracts up at the end of
1: the year. Hey, we can run down the roster. I mean, Ring of Honor, they're going to have to start, they're going to have to open up the, you know, that checkbook, uh, or we're going to see a major turnover here in this roster.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be uh, real interesting to see kind of what happens. Uh, next match out, we had Kenny King taking on PCO. Or no, no, I'm sorry. Marty Skrull versus Colt Cabana was the first match of the show, um, which was awesome. I very much enjoyed this match. I love serious Colt Cabana. Um, it was nice to see, I because when I saw this match advertised, I was like, oh, no. This is going to be a comedy match. This is going to be like super character heavy. And that was not the case whatsoever. Match goes about 14 minutes. And I thought both of these guys went out and just put on a fantastic opening match. There was just enough character with just enough technical wrestling that it was just it was a great matchup for being a tournament match. Obviously coming in cold. There's no real heat between Marty Skrull and Colt Cabana other than being the first round of this ridiculous tournament.
1: I will say, you know, I I will I'll say I'll, I'll make a positive point here for the tournament uh, with the opportunity. You know, you, you do you should be taking things serious when the heavyweight championship, the world heavyweight championship, is you know within reach, and they did get that right here. Uh, these guys were not taking this lightly, so you know, within the moment, they realized the importance of it. Still not a fan of it, but it, I think it did help this match along. Where, you know, if that wasn't a stipulation, if this wasn't a first round, you know, you're not trying to advance down the line, this probably would have been all comedy driven.
0: And then we got the second match, which was the exact opposite of everything that you said, but also part of the tournament. PCL versus Kenny King suddenly becomes no DQ for no apparent reason. Like, why in the world would this be a no DQ match other than for Tom fuckery from Kenny King's aspect, right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to get your spots in here, but totally and, and, took me out of the match. Well, and then when you make that announcement, because we—if you followed Ring of Honor, you know—if you're watching regularly like we do, you know they—they they constantly are putting over that the referees are allowed leeway to let things happen here. So you didn't need to go over the top on that. You know, you, PCO could still hit you know some spots there. You can get around things without taking away from the point of your tournament. So you said, you know, we get. Uh, saving Grace in one match, and then you completely shit the bed by you know throwing in the stipulation on the next one. I mean, are we going to see this throughout this thing with PCO? As every time he involved, are we going to go to this? And, and I guess the bigger question here is: I, I know they did some; or they're getting set ready this evening and this afternoon to do some TV tapings with some more first round matches, also airing on Honor Club th- this evening. Um, are, 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 is this setting up for a Marty PCO? final inside of this tournament oh no i hope not i
0: hope not i don't want to see that not yet uh the match is going down tonight dalton castle versus mark haskins and jay lethal versus
1: bandito on paper some good matches there i just wonder if they you know they want to get that blow off with of philip enterprise before marty makes his exit uh, again you know we're talking about contract issues with ring of honor
0: Yeah. And PCO, another one at the end of the year, his contract is up, but you know, they continue to push Kenny King down our throats. Uh, what did you think of the good old fashioned cattle prod finish? Kenny King grabs a bottle of water, pours it over PCO. His, uh, little chicky comes in the ring with a cattle prod electrocutes PCO. But of course, PCO is Frankenstein. So that just fires him up. He choke slams Kenny King and then chokes him to death in the middle of the ring. PCO gets the win to move on to the second round. I hated everything about this finish.
1: Uh, absolutely. And this is where we go back. You could have got around this thing with him hitting his spots. Again, you make this a joke here. I We get it. We get it. You know, he's indestructible. I mean, he is not human. You know, he, he's he's Frankenstein, as you said. When is enough enough? I mean, when do we, you know, and people have already, you know, kinda of go at him on this thing. It's great net mid card there where he's hitting those spots here, but now we're talking about a potential to headline your biggest show of the year. We're talking about the World Heavyweight Championship. Don't we need to be taking him a little more serious as an actual in-ring competitor instead of the freak show?
0: Yeah. Um, and even like now he's wearing like the Frankenstein coat. Uh, the new Jim Johnston theme is freaking fantastic. It's so PCO and it's so Jim Johnston. Uh, it, people are going to recognize that as soon as you hear it. It very much has that Undertaker kind of feel to it mixed with Frankenstein. It's it's just cool. Um, but man, it's just too much for me. A- at least if you want to elevate it to a main event act, it's, it's just too much. Uh, as well as too much, was Kelly Klein versus Angelina Love representing the Allure for the Women of Honor Championship. Angelina Love becomes the new Women of Honor champion. And I, I just, I don't understand. I mean, number one, we have a hairspray spot and we get a kick out. And then we get another hairspray spot right in front of the referee. And he allows that this match was not no DQ. At a certain point, uh, Mandy Leon gets in the ring and actually makes contact with Kelly Klein for another hairspray spot in front of the referee. No, no disqualification called. And then we get Angelina Love pinning Kelly Klein. Lights go off. Maria Manik appears, who's now been in the company for roughly six months and has yet to have an actual match. Security rushes the ring to stop her from, you know, destroying anybody. But, you know, we've got PCO just choking the ever-loving shit out of somebody just earlier in the night. Security doesn't care about that. A little bit later, we would get the bouncers and... Uh, uh, silas young and vinnie marsalia and some of the shit that, like they were throwing lawn darts at each other nobody cares about that no security involved there uh shane taylor dragon lee flip gordon tracy williams all kinds of tom fuckery going on no security there like i just want it consistent just give me a consistent narrative
1: and can we please have maria manic just fucking wrestle already why well, this is you know a case of overbooking Something, you know, you regularly hear people get on WWE about it. You know, they run all the women out there together, trying to, you know, get everything in at once. Women of Honor is ultimately probably just a mess. The the, the most guilty of this in professional wrestling. We see this each and every time. This thing was a train wreck. Not a fan at all of Kelly dropping this title. I know that, you know, they want to put, get the lineage with Love's name in there and all that. Uh, And I'm also wondering here too, are they trying to build up Kelly to get her name in that record book before she exits this company? That's what my first stop was, yeah. you know, before she's on to, to greener pastures.
0: Where the hell does that division go if you lose Kelly Klein?
1: Well, I mean, she's I mean, she's been keeping it on life support.
0: I mean, you might as well bring Medusa in to throw the title in the trash because that, that division's dead if they lose Kelly Klein at this
1: point. I mean, she, she's kept that thing alive. It's been on life support. and It's all thanks to Kelly carrying that thing. But again, you know, they got so much going on here. There and you, and then you look at the place on the card, and you're seeing all these other crazy antics happening. Like you even mentioned with with the bouncers. I mean, it was a barroom brawl, so you expect them to go a little more. But when you get to a certain level, right. where you're going to impale somebody, right? You think you know? You think you have somebody come out here? Uh you know, this thing was just over, way overbooked, absolute train wreck, and. and and the water's falling today. That, that WWE groove. It's like, are your agents talking to each other? Who's controlling the flow of this show to make sure that we're not getting overexposed to these spots?
0: I was also sour on this match immediately off of the top because no Velvet Sky. And that's got heat with me. Anytime, you know, I'm watching an ROH show and I don't get to look at Velvet Sky, that's got heat with me.
1: Just saying. Well, we said back in the day, back in the day at Impact Wrestling... They should have just, you know, air whatever you want but like in the corner of it, give me a silent bubble where it's just velvet sky, like jumping on a trampoline or doing jumping jacks. Yes. The ratings would have been through the roof. Right. I'd, I'd even pay for impact plus just
0: to go back and watch the old episodes. Jay lethal takes on the octopus, Jonathan Gresham. This match goes 17 minutes and 20 seconds. And this match was absolutely fantastic. Um, The only thing that was super weird and Ian Riccoboni even referred to it on commentary. There was like a hush over the crowd. You could tell this was a big match kind of feel and everybody was thoroughly invested in this match. But the commentary during the match between Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham was just as important as any other move that was happening inside the match. And this ruckus ROH crowd, you know what, at least notoriously a ruckus ROH crowd, just sat down and
1: shut the fuck up and enjoyed the match. Well, you know why, right? Because this is one of those times where they they did get it right. There's a story here. This was great. This this has been, you know, this is almost, you know, like a a New Japan style where it has been about respect. It's about, you know, is this thing going to break? You know, where are these guys staying with each other? They have proven they have great chemistry inside the ring. You're going to get, you know, an A-plus match each and every time they hook up. And they've been doing this one right for a while. This is something that, you know, people are invested in. They're waiting for that ultimate payoff. And here's what we got. Another great outing between these two. And then you get that teaser that, once again, you know, you're wanting more. And where is this thing going? You know, you get a little bit, that little bit of the dispute, and then the honor.
0: So now there's a big question coming out of this thing, because Jonathan Gresham taps out Jay Lethal. And this is a huge win for Jonathan Gresham. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Jay Lethal proved his point that Jonathan Gresham doesn't have to cheat to win. And then after the match, we get the code of honor. I can't help but wonder, Rick, does did Jay Lethal just tap out for the sake of proving his point? Like, did he just feel like, you know, Jonathan, you deserve to win this match. I'm going to tap out.
1: I was going to say, that's the intrigue as we go forward. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what, we, what kind of interaction they have with the television taping. What we're going to get from these two, uh, it's this is something that they've got right. They've hit this mark. They've done a good job with this.
0: What do, what do they do going forward? Do you want to see these two reunite and go after tag titles? Do you want to see Jay Lethal turn heel and, and Jonathan Gresham turns back babyface? Do you want to see Jonathan—I thoroughly expected for Jay Lethal to just kick Jonathan Gresham right square in the dick last night during the Code of Honor. That's actually what I was expecting, and I would have been totally fine with that. Gresham as a heel doesn't work for me. He's too undersized and he's too freaking good inside of the ring. But if this is just a, a route to get Jay lethal to turn back heel, I fully support that.
1: Well, I think if you want to keep Gresham, you know, on that villain side, I would have him and Jay get together. Uh, you know, one of the things that's alluded, Jay, is the tag team champ- tag team championship. Yep. Again, I'd love to see those guys. Hey, and you know, we still got the, the partnership with new Japan there. I'd love to see those guys work, go work tag league.
0: Yeah, which is coming up. Hell, Jesus. It, with Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal, man, if, if Jay could lose about five pounds, they could probably qualify for Junior Tag League. Well,
1: when, when it it's, you said it's coming, it's around the corner here. What exactly are the dates on that? Do you, do you have I, it's just I, like a. I don't estimate. have the dates
0: in front of me. Uh, junior Tag League is coming up right after King of Pro Wrestling, and World Tag League is typically like end of November or December leading into Wrestle Kingdom.
1: Okay. Uh, you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see them go over there, work, work tag league, have some decent success there. Hey, you have those two together, have them then come back to final battle and challenge the Briscoes.
0: I can get behind that. Absolutely. Uh, next match out is the Bouncers versus the last real man, Silas Young and Vinny Marcellia. Uh, it kind of seems like maybe they're they're shortening that just to Vincent. Um This was interesting, man. Obviously, I got to sit down with the bouncers the other day, and they basically told me they had some real bad intentions for Silas Young and Vinny Marsalia. This match was absolutely brutal. I mean, we got lawn darts. We got pool cues being driven into people's heads. We got beer bottles getting busted over people's heads. The bouncers win this match in about 13 minutes, 59 seconds. I assume at least three of these men ended up going to the hospital. But the thing that really got over with me was McLovin. Josh Woods on commentary was freaking hilarious i was rolling listening to josh woods on commentary and his concern for his friend silas young and then finally he, he just had enough and he went and picked up silas young's dead body and just carried it to the back and left Vinny marcelli in a fend for himself against the bouncers didn't work out so well for Vinny as the bouncers get the big win before heading off to the vegas er huckleberry this was much more inside of your wheelhouse
1: than mine what did you think I absolutely loved it. Hey, and, and, and once again, when you come on, when you come on with Jargo, when you're on with the hitting marks.com with our platform, good things are gonna happen for you. And the bouncers continue to roll. Yeah, you know, and after I want to say, man, it was a tremendous interview that you did with them. I listened to it twice. It was so good. It was a fun interview. I like those uh, guys a lot. And, and absolutely love those guys. You know, the Toast of Honor is one of my favorite things in all of professional wrestling. And it's great to see these guys continue to have this success here. And all around, you know, they're a team. That you can get invested in this they got uh, this is again where they're actually telling us some stories There's a reason to care here in this match and they need just throw in some good old fun violence I mean, How can you lose? These guys are gonna get over. I mean like w- without any
0: question I expect a year from now if they continue with this push just them like going out and beating like good teams Kind of mismatched teams with good creative programs These two guys are gonna get over And I could legitimately see Briscoe's versus the bouncers at final
1: battle. Uh, You know, I was going to say it. I just pitched, you know, lethal aggression there. Absolutely. You got to believe, you know, I was just kind of stretching there. You got to believe that's probably what, you know, is tentatively in the plans. Inside the tag division. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And 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 to go out there and show that they can work a match like this at that level, at that pace, uh, you got, I mean, that's again, that's lending towards that's that's leading towards a Briscoe style match.
0: Your first big main event presented by Shane Taylor Promotions. Your Ring of Honor World TV Champion Shane Taylor took on the mercenary Flip Gordon and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Oh, yeah. And then at the last second, it becomes a fatal four way, including Dragon Lee, Rick. I was so happy to see Dragon Lee. I love Dragon Lee without any question. He is one of my favorite professional wrestlers right at the moment, but I hated this. Inside of this context, they have been doing this entire story where Shane Taylor has bought out his contract. Ring of Honor is now negotiating with Shane Taylor on a match-by-match basis to present one match on the show as long as he holds the ROH Television Championship, thus the Shane Taylor Promotions thing. How are you just going to add somebody to this match if it's not pre-negotiated through Shane Taylor Promotions? It makes no freaking sense. It was just one of those things that just shows the giant hole inside of
1: ROH continuity. You're not going to have the continuity there. And to me, this just screamed. And I know we're going to get into a little bit more here with Dragon Lee as we've had some breaking news. And we've got some uh, a little bit, you know, maybe of a go a little dive a little deeper into the story. Thanks to William Alessia here. But uh, it was a panic. We, we've got to do something to get Dragan Lee introduced into this title picture. So without it means throwing all logic out the window, flushing it down the toilet, we're not supposed to pay attention to that when it was it's very obvious to to everyone that you just went against your own damn storyline.
0: Yep. Uh, Finally, Shane Taylor gets the win in about eight and a half minutes to retain the TV championship. Rick, of of all the guests that we have had on this show, the HTM rub started with Shane Taylor. And what a rub it has been watching Shane rise through the ranks inside of Ring of Honor. And I absolutely love the Shane Taylor promotion storyline that they got going here.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it, it, what's even better with this is it ties into what Shane's been throughout his running ring of honor. He was a higher gun. You know, he, he can he handles his own business. And then you transition that into now he's manipulating the office. He's dealing with his own contract work here again. You know, a hack tip to him on this one. Now, let's start seeing that that's kind of detail in your big in your marquee stuff.
0: Yep, exactly. And I think that's the thing that you really have to look at. Um, knowing Shane, I can guarantee you this storyline is coming directly from his mind. When you look back at the elite and what they were doing inside of Ring of Honor most of last year, that was coming from their mind. When you look at SCU and how SCU got over, that was SCU creative. When those minds left, we noticed the creative went absolutely to hell. We either need more pro wrestlers to come in with an idea and pitch it to the office to kind of run their own creative inside of ROH. Or we've got to make some kind of a change inside of ROH because the booking thus far throughout this year has been so uninspired until you get to an angle like Shane Taylor promotions. I freaking love this. What well,
1: wonder, you know, Going back, I wonder if it's that, you know, with somebody, if, if the creative there is so focused on really what's going on in that upper echelon, in the, you know, the tag, in the World Heavyweight Championship, that they're kind of just letting people like Shane kind of have fun and do some things like, okay, come to us with something. I wonder, you know, how much he, he worked all that time with SCU, how much influence they had on him. But the overall picture, it seems, in those big marquee matches, Ring of Honor is – they're they're truly operating like an indie promotion that runs events like every like three months where you're hoping it's just names and athleticism that are going to pull you in. But the proof is in the pudding. Look at these numbers. Look at attendance. It's not there. You need some sort of storytelling, something that people can invest in.
0: And I would agree with you a whole lot more, but we talked about Matt Taven's championship reign and the Briscoes outside of this feud that they had with G.O.D., which i mean would not surprise me at all if that was all Tomatonga's tonga's freaking mind laying all that out you know like i'd agree if the if the top echelon had been better over the course of this
1: year oh no that's that's what i'm saying but they're they're so worried about there as long as there's new as long as there's new competition and there's great athleticism or violence that's going to bring people in but it's proving that it's not as you just mentioned with the Briscoes, over the la- course of the last year two years the only memorable thing that, you know, that immediately jumps out in my mind is G.O.D.
0: Yep.
1: And with Taven, as champion, there wasn't one. I mean, the chase was fun, you know, when he had his own belt and all that stuff. That was fun. But once he grabbed that gold, once he climbed to the top of the mountain, there was nothing there to get invested in. Yep. So the Briscoes take
0: on Lifeblood, which seems like it should be a lot hotter than it is by now. Uh, Lifeblood in this matchup represented by Bandito and Mark Haskins. Bandito recently winning the Battle of Los Angeles. Jonathan Gresham also in the final, as well as David Starr, that little douchebag. Um, what do you think of the pairing of Bandito and Haskins? Because I always thought that like the better pairing was Williams and Haskins. What well, Wasn't it supposed to be Williams? Well, Williams was in the... um. TV, oh yeah, 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 you're
1: right. Okay, Okay. Um, yeah, I guess mixing it up here a little bit, but you know, going back to your your first statement there, why why should I care about Lifeblood? Yeah, I mean,
0: at this point, they haven't even explained what in the hell happened to Juice Robinson, who was basically the founder of the group, and then the two talking heads of the group were Tennille Dashwood and Juice Robinson. They didn't even really address. why neither one of them are around anymore. It's like lifeblood is just kind of this, this traveling band of gypsies at this point.
1: Well, you know, in when it came in, the whole purpose was to restore the honor to ring of honor, to go back to that pure style, which has kind of been, which to me is the reason that I don't care about lifeblood. They're not involved in anything. Uh, just because, you know, they're great athletes, incredible talents. Don't get me wrong there, but I mean, there's no, I, I don't understand their personas. I mean, bandito is, is, Stealing the wrestling world right now. I mean, he is everywhere. He's the talk of the town. And, ag- comes- and
0: again, another contract up at the end of the year. When it comes to Ring of Honor,
1: you're not giving me any reason to care to get invested.
0: Completely agreed. We did get a little bit of an angle with Bully Ray uh, coming out and taking out Lifeblood, which feels like that's been going on forever and Vicky Haskins. But the thing that really intrigued me, Rick, was Flip Gordon. Flip Gordon comes out and we, we get that little bit of a stare down between Bully Ray and Flip Gordon. After the history that those two men have,
1: do you move forward with a story between the two of them? Well, again, you know, as we're talking about why do I care about or why should I care about Lifeblood? I can get behind Boy. I mean, you know, he's someone that has direction. You know, you, you just love to hate him. I mean, the guy is so good at what he does. I mean, he is a true professional. Uh, one of the absolute best in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, him coming out here, this this could spark something where there could be interest in Lifeblood. You know, taking on Boy. But then again, now we're we're going back to the great story between him and Flip. So I'm, this really reminds me of of when was it? uh, with Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon where it was about them and it took away that moment in the king of the ring. So you, you're downplaying, who was it? Was it Gable or Gable. who got there? Yep. Chad Gable. Yeah. Okay. So now why should I care about Gable? Why should I care about king of the ring? Because you've all, now you've downgraded it. You pushed it to the side so I can focus on something else that's going on. I felt that way right here uh, about bully and flip. now I'm, I'm back interested in it. So see you later. Like, we'll see you next time. We need some people to come out. Dot, dot, dive it around here. That's great. We'll see you then. Yep. Uh, then we have your big
0: main event, Matt Taven taking on Roosh for the ROH world championship. Rick, this match goes about 16 minutes. Roosh capturing the championship from Matt Taven, which absolutely makes the brain wonder what in the world is going on because we have contract situations going on around both of these gentlemen. We know Matt Taven's contract is up at the end of September you would think with him losing the championship that this very well could be his exit from Ring of Honor, especially with what we saw in the post-match. We know that Roosh, his contract is up with Ring of Honor in January, but it was assumed that he would be renewing with Ring of Honor for another year because his contract with CMLL ran until 2021. That changed this morning. Uh, what are you hearing from our contacts over at LastWordOnProWrestling.com? And what is the situation with CMLL, Roosh, and Dragon Lee?
1: I was going to say, know, this is... Uh... This, this is breaking news. This is huge. I mean, this this going to shake the foundation of, of both of these promotions, CMLL and Ring of Honor. As you were talking about these contract situations, there was a working agreement here to, with this exchange to try to get, you know, some more exposure, uh, put a little more pay in the pockets of these talents. Absolutely shocked the world to hear that CMLL has, has essentially parted ways here with Roosh and Dragon Lee. Uh, as you, earlier in the show, the phone was going crazy there. Uh, Will, William Asia from Last What Pro Wrestling, he's got so much information here. So I'm going to try to go through here and catch back up. Uh, it, it seems that here, CML is very old school. So with these, this deal that you're talking about, it is very loosely, if written at all, uh, pretty much on a handshake that they would be working through here. And the actual who's handling the booking, not an issue there. But when you get to the office, who's doing the payments? It the, the financials weren't there, they weren't matching up, uh, especially so much so that Dragon Lee, when he took that booking for Bola, absolutely infuriated CMML, who had pretty much refused his his request to go work it. He went anyway. That had triggered this thing, and it looks like it's just got the entire family involved. You know, just uh, let's see what's uh, a chavo that is responsible for the money. He cut the guarantees of several of the talents, including including Lee, which is a big one here. That's why he went and took the, the BOLA booking. Let's see here. So basically, CML told Lee not to work BOLA. He he did it anyway, probably because of the money, probably because of money issues. This is what Will has been sending me here through a direct message. Uh, He disobeyed them. So they took him off of a few bookings from Arena Mexico. Uh, Arena Mexico holds about 16,000 seats. So if you cut that, you cut that share of his gate there. I mean, that's a serious cut, you know, in his financials there. Uh, it looks here also that Roosh, Dragonly, and um, Mystico all got their money cut. Uh, they're all brothers, of course. So you got the family ties there.
0: But Mystico has not been released at this point, is my understanding.
1: Correct. He he is still involved there. Um
0: no, I mean, the, the the Roosh thing, Roosh hasn't been inside of CMLL for basically the better part of this year. He's been working more Ring of Honor stuff. So it's almost like they released Roosh just because fuck Dragon
1: Lee. Well, let's see. Here was actually his very next message to me. Roosh hasn't been working Mexico for months, probably because of money issues. Uh, Ring of Honor would have priority over Roosh because of the written contract they have there and because, well, he makes more money. Than he does with CMLL. Then uh, you take into the you take into account the, the currency differential between right. you know what he's going to make there in Mexico, what he's going to make here in America. Uh, Roosh is going to be addressing this issue on his YouTube page very shortly. Uh, he's going to be sharing all the details from his side. Uh, some other big news here: uh, CMLL they own the names of Roosh. And Dragon Lee.
0: And I'm sure they own a copyright to the mask as well.
1: And Mystico. So there could be the last time that we see them using their names. He did chime in here later on. Roosh will be going by El Toro Blanco, which is the White Bull. And Dragon Lee will be going by El Toro Rajo, the Red Bull.
0: Interesting.
1: Um, now, the uh, logical language- he's saying He's also saying that it is highly suspected that both party or that the parties have both been already contacted by Triple A AEW and some feelers from WWE
0: <laughs> Rush inside a WWE would absolutely be something. Um, okay, let's let's kind of look at this from a broader spectrum. The logical landing spot for a gentleman like Dragon Lee, to me, would be New Japan Pro Wrestling because he has done so much work with New Japan Pro Wrestling. But of course, they are partners with Ring of Honor. They are partners with CMLL. So it would be interesting to see if they want to risk those relationships and bring in Dragon Lee. Uh, the other question is, what is now going to be the relationship between CMLL and Ring of Honor?
1: Because Roosh is now the Ring of Honor world champion. Well, and I wonder, you know, obviously this news breaking immediately following putting you know that championship on Roosh. Did they know about this inside Ring of Honor? Do they not care about this or they've totally invested in themselves, realizing these kind of issues, how many people they need to resign here? We've been talking so much. When are are they going to jump on this roosh train? You know, you really got so much time here to ride this thing out. Are they trying to make good on that now? Are they trying to say, hey, you know, we do believe in you. We are going to invest in you if you will resign with us going into this next year.
0: I just thought of another real big issue. Does CMLL own Dos Gobernoblis?
1: Uh, uh, that 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 we have to look into.
0: This could be. Uh, a I real mean, had that if, if if New Japan you would you would to have to in, believe though that if New Japan would choose to bring in Dragon Lee and CMLL owns the name L I J and they get pissed off about it, they could probably pull that from Los de Hapone, as well as from Roosh, if they own that trademark. I don't know who owns that trademark.
1: You, you got to believe, though, if you're New Japan, you are smart enough to realize if you're making that investment behind that faction, behind that brand, it's you have been able, you've secured that. That is yours if you're going to make that investment in there. Well,
0: but it's a spinoff of what's already in Mexico. This, I mean, this is NWO Wolfpack
1: and NWO. I get that. But I mean, you would, you would, you have the business sense to realize that at any time this thing could, you know, dissolve, that this thing could blow up. I, I have to believe that they protected themselves on this thing. God, I hope so. God, I hope so. Uh, one of, and, you know, you you kind of, I mean, not like over the top laughing about it. I could see both of these guys ending up in WWE. Uh,
0: Dragon Lee, I absolutely could. Um, Roosh would surprise me. Um, and that's just because of some of the things that I have heard about Roosh behind the scenes. Uh, Personality-wise, I don't think Roosh would work very well inside of a WWE context.
1: I mean, you've it, it got, you know, Andrade hasn't had the greatest success there, but he does have strong ties to the Flair family. You know, with Charlotte, when she's regularly there in Mexico, who is she hanging out with? Who does she, she was down there training lucha style with Woosh. I mean, you you gotta believe there's going to be strong conversation there to bring these talents in, especially from the WWE side, to lock them up, and you get that international flavor, especially with Dragon Lee. You know, would you sell the gimmick? You bet. Well, and Vince, for how long, has been looking for someone that could slide into that Ray Mysterio, and especially merchandise wise. Look at the, the success. I know we're going to get into WWE talk here in a little while, but look at the success of just with the mask and stuff with Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I mean his numbers are absolutely phenomenal. I think we're going to dive into those here in a little while. But hey, that, that Vince has been clamoring for something like that.
0: You just can't turn him into Kalisto. You know, that, but I mean, the thing about Dragon Lee is even though he is really small, I think last night he was introduced at like 165 pounds, but he looks like a pro wrestler. I mean, when you look at him, that dude is fucking ripped as shit. It's like Neville. It's like, yeah, he he might be small, but he looks like a professional wrestler.
1: Absolutely. And then, you know, you got the athleticism, you got the gimmick with the mask and all that. Uh, I mean, that's right. That's perfect for for WWE. And now, you know, when you when it comes to Roosh, I know you got a little bit of the uh the personal issues there, I mean, so well, the backstage thing, yeah. attitude.
0: He he the gimmick fits, man. El Ingobernoble is basically Roosh. I even when he won this championship last night, one of my first thoughts was good luck getting it off of him. Roosh doesn't like to lose. And he will do everything that he possibly can to convince you. He should not lose this match. He is that the whole ungovernable thing. Yeah, that that not only fits Tetsuya Naito's personality, it's Rush's personality to a T. Whereas you know somebody like a Dragon Lee is very loosely affiliated with Los Ingobernables. Somebody like Cien, yeah, he he's more of the playboy style. Personality, he yeah, I'm ungovernable, but in a very different sort of way. He's more of the ladies' man, and now, like you said, the the attachment with the flares. Roosh is like, fuck you, I'm not losing.
1: You know that that reminds me of uh, with Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling, Johnny Knockout. Mister Mister Jen of you know the great owner promoter there goes to and says, Johnny, you've been the champ for you know about a year and a half, two years, whatever it might be. We need to make the switch. We're we're going to put the the title on on Brandon Xavier from Mega up here in uh, Northern Ohio. We're going to put the title on him. Johnny wasn't hearing of it. Johnny <laughs> No showed and fucking still has the title. Yeah, and, and over a, year, over a year later he refuses to return it.
0: Yeah, I, like, this is this is going to be very interesting to see how this plays out, especially with Roos having his contract come due in January.
1: Yeah, I mean that, that son of a bitch, Johnny Knockout. He he took the title and went to Florida. No one even knows where to find him. I mean the last. The last interaction anyone heard with him was a shot. He got picked up for something down there. Hilarious. Uh, so after the match, let, let's talk about the other half of this.
0: After the match, there's a big celebration going on in the ring as Roosh is in the ring and Dragon Lee is in the ring. Their father is in the ring. Roosh's son is in the ring. He stri- strikes the whole LIJ pose. It was adorable. And then Matt Taven comes storming in. And you get the coat of honor from Matt Taven and the two gentlemen exchange some words. Matt Taven actually bows to Roosh and then makes his exit. And he gets up to the top of the ramp. They didn't talk about this at all. He gets up to the top of the ramp and he like is blowing kisses to the crowd. He's like sla- slapping hands with fans on his way out of the building. Rick, was this the last we're going to see of Matt Taven inside of Ring of Honor? Because that's very much how it felt.
1: It certainly felt like a curtain call. It really did. Uh, you know, a little passing of the torch. Good luck. You know, good luck. This thing is yours now. Take it to the next level. You know, thanking thanking the fans that that love to hate him. You know, and, and if, if it was it for Taven here in Ring of Honor, I know we were just talking about there wasn't anything you no know, storyline. You know that was very memorable of that run, but he was an absolute workhorse. I mean, hey, when when they're having number one contenders matches every week, you're gonna go out there and work your ass off, and that's what Matt Taven did.
0: Matt Taven main evented a lot of shows for Ring of Honor. And you know, and this weird, this championship reign is not going to be looked back on favorably. It's just not. But they did not give Matt Taven anything to work with. I mean, he he has been out there with no creative just as a working man's champion as a heel that everybody freaking despises going out there, making everybody look good, defending that title, representing the brand. I think Taven has been a fantastic champion in this time of transition for ring of honor. He might be the guy that we look back on five years from now and say, Taven kept that thing afloat while they were getting their
1: shit together. You know what? It really reminds me of two kind of, situations uh going way way back to like a bob Backlund. yep exactly going you know, between bruno to, to hogan where you're really trying to find that identity you've the, the champ himself has all the skills has the tools to do it but there there's nothing there for them to work with also reminds me of an, a very early Bret hart as a champion in the new generation
0: how tall is matt Taven? Uh, let me jump on the fire breathing Google machine. He's only six foot two, but I guess inside of a modern WWE, that he yeah, I guess he he could pass inside of
1: there. What's, what's his weight? What's his weight there?
0: Uh, two twenty.
1: I mean, he's right there, the size of a, a South Seth Rollins. Rollins. Yeah, uh, I think, bigger than he's bigger than AJ Styles.
0: I think you could bring Matt Taven in tomorrow, and he could be a Baron Corbin level heel for you for the next five
1: years. Absolutely. As long as they forgive him for stealing that tanning lotion.
0: Yeah, because there's nothing likable about Matt Taven. Yeah, Matt Taven is a great heel, very much like Baron Corbin. There's there's no redeeming qualities to that character that is Matt Taven. I hope, personally, that he goes to AEW because I think Matt Taven could be a top three heel inside of that company. He's got enough experience with the Lucha style that he could absolutely be kind of that stopgap. Like we, we've talked about inside of the women's division with B Priestley and the Joshi, Matt Taven could absolutely be that for the Luchadors and the American audience
1: and you know as we were talking about all these different contracts with ring of honor that that they're about to you know come due. you know really him and and marty are two individuals that absolutely are ready to move on from ring of honor they've done everything that they can do there it's time for them to go you know try you know go go elsewhere and, and see how much you can prosper
0: we're running a little bit long today, so I'm going to shorten this New Japan Pro Wrestling conversation. Uh, the U.S. Tour Fighting Spirit Unleashed is going down this weekend. Rick and I will be talking about all three days inside of the locker room this Monday. I do want to talk a little bit about the announcements for King of Pro Wrestling, the way that this card is laying out. Uh, Yo and Taguchi are going to take on Doki, Kane Amaro, and El Desperado from Suzuki Gun in your opening match. Tamaki Honma, Hiroshi Tanahashi, going to take on the most violent players. Rick, we are currently on the 20th anniversary tour of the ACE. He's having all kinds of tag matches throughout the, the U S fighting spirit unleashed tour. And then at King of Pro wrestling, he's tagging with Okada and Ibushi. Like I'm looking at this first night, right? And your main event is Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi and Kazuchika Okada taking on Naito, evil, and Sonata. That's a killer six-man tag team main event,
1: man. Absolutely, uh, it. They're putting him in a perfect spot. You know, we're getting some just incredible, you know, some incredible matches set up here. He's working with the other huge stars and people you want to see him with. And I mean, out of twenty years, I mean, this is a hell of a salute.
0: I'm looking forward to all these matches and I'm looking forward to, to talking about all of them because Tanahashi's just having a freaking blast working these like because he's not taking nothing for bumps, man. This is like super Tanahashi. It's absolutely hilarious. Bushi, Shingo and Naito going to take on Tai Chi, Lance Archer and Zack Sabre Jr. Lance Archer on the all the young lions die tour throughout the uh, fighting spirit unleashed. He's facing off with all of the American young lions and he's just going to murder people. It's going to be great. Yoshihashi, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto take on Yujiro, Kenta, and Switchblade Jay White. Little surprise that we're not getting Goto versus
1: Switchblade at King of Pro Wrestling. They're going to hold that off. Well, you know, hey, uh, surprising, yes, uh, but not, not shocking. Because yeah, we, hey, we've got some other events that they're going to want to draw for, and that's going to be a big pull for them. As, as we fill in, you know, that gap between King of Pro Wrestling, and as we as we start gearing up, you know, just really getting hot on the road to Wrestle Kingdom.
0: So people are probably listening to this and going, "Wow, this card sounds pretty." Lazy. Uh, yeah. Well, that was the undercard. Let's talk about your big money drawing matches. And I don't think these are going to disappoint. Jushin Thunder Liger or maybe Kishin Liger is going to take on Minoru Suzuki at King of Pro Wrestling. Will Osprey defends the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship against El Phantasmo. John Moxley makes his long-awaited return back to Japan to defend the IWGP United States Championship. Kota Ibushi faces off with the man who beat him inside the g1 evil for his right to challenge contract at wrestle kingdom and then we have kazuchika okada taking on sonata for the fourth time this year because sonata finally defeated okada inside of the g1 that matchup for the iwgp world heavyweight championship those five matches fucking awesome
1: i wish the whole show was just those five matches I was going to say, I mean, that would blow you out of water. I mean, like takeover, takeover style. Takeover philosophy there. Uh, looking forward to Sonata Okada. Those guys always deliver. But I'll tell you one that really jumps out to me that I'm excited to see here is Ibushi and Evil.
0: Yeah, I think that match will absolutely live up to the match that they had inside of the G1. I'm also very curious about John Moxley versus Juice Robinson for the U.S. title because we have heard that Moxley says he wants to wrestle inside the Tokyo Dome on January 4th. Of course, I, I don't see how any professional wrestler could not have that on his bucket list of shit to do before he retires at this point. Um, do you think Juice is going to take this title? I'm kind of leaning towards Moxley retaining.
1: Uh, I'm also I'm with you here, and you know, I think you know, especially for the continued westward expansion from New Japan Wrestling. You know, you want to keep that familiarity. You know, Mox Mox is hot. He still remains hot. He's only going to get hotter now that he's going to be on you know North America television week in week out with AEW. That's going to tra- it's going to transition and, you know to success for you of New Japan.
0: Uh, another quick New Japan note: Rita and Shota Umino leaving for excursion. And, Rick, the first place that they're going is to the L.A. Dojo to work with Katsutori Shibata. And then it sounds like they are both going to be going over to visit our friend Joe Atherton and do a spot over at Rev Pro. I thought it was interesting that they did not choose CMLL, where it seems like most of their first-time excursions go. Kawato's still down there. I expect him back anytime time now. Um, and they didn't choose
1: Ring of Honor, where a
0: lot of the Young Lions like Evil were going.
1: Hey, you know they've got that great working relationship with REV as well. Uh, they like building some some major stars over there. So maybe this is a way we talk about that expansion. We were talking earlier about how the UK wants you know someone to really step up and, and cater to them. Maybe this is where New Japan's seeing an opening here. You know these North American companies aren't really you know maybe they're, they're dropping the ball at some areas here. Let's get our young lions over here. Let's start building up a base from the get-go that when they do return here and become stars, they're going to be major draws for us, as you see with Suzuki gun when when they go over there.
0: And then there's also Hiromu. Uh, Rick, shortly before we started recording today, Hiromu sent out a tweet to Dragon Lee that says, I'm waiting for you. I think I think we're ready for the return of Hiromu Takahashi. If we can get Dragon Lee back over to New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, give me that match on any card that you possibly want to give it to me. Hell, even give me those two together as a tag team for Junior Tag
1: League. Well, like, this goes back to the conversation we were just having. Though. I mean, what does this release from CML mean? You know, I, if it costs me gonna be, that match, had... I'm
0: going to be pissed. Fuck CMLL if it costs me this matchup. I will never watch another one of their shows if it costs me this matchup. I have to see Dragon Lee versus Hiromu Takahashi in Hiromu's return match if he's not taking the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Although I do like the idea of Hiromu challenging El Phantasmo because Hiromu's fucking weirder than El Phantasmo, and I want to see El Phantasmo kind of be like, what the fuck is this dude's problem? Because those two guys have never crossed paths as far as I know.
1: going to be very interesting.
0: Talk about a clash of personalities. The fucking crazy trains leaving the station. El Fantasmo versus Hiromu Takahashi. Need that in my life. Let's talk a little bit about WWE before we wrap this thing up. Uh, First things first, John Morrison returns. Uh, Maybe. Uh, Because I saw John Morrison responded to a tweet from the Wrestling Observer that said, Oh, really? This is news to me. Let me know when I sign with AEW or New Japan.
1: Oh, very. I didn't see this. I didn't see him dispute uh, this thing.
0: Yeah. So now I'm curious if this is legit or bullshit, because I absolutely was expecting John Morrison to show up inside of AEW.
1: Well, you know, when this thing broke with him going to, to WWE, a lot of people just like you were a little surprised here that he didn't choose to go to AEW. But I can understand, you know, where he's at here in his career, you want that big payday. And right now hey, they're, it's it's no secret. WWE is, is handing out money. I mean, it's almost like they're printing their own. You go get that big contract, go there, you know, if, if they want you for that five year, go hey, go get your payday. Set yourself up. You he's got a he's got, you know, just you know, married what, maybe a year or so ago. You want to secure your family, you want to take care of each other. Set yourself up here. Go get that big payday. It was no surprise he knows their system, especially with them expanding. You know, you've got more programming coming out, you need people that are gonna work. They know how to work your style. that know how to work your television. We got all the rumors that they want more athleticism. They want that true uh, sports theme to it. I mean, he screams all of that. It made a lot of sense. Uh, I, If John Morrison does go back to WWE,
0: I don't blame him whatsoever. I think it's actually a better decision for him as a talent. I completely agree with everything you just said. I was expecting him to show up in AEW because he was on a couple episodes of BTE. That's I. That's what I thought the connection was.
1: Yeah. Well, let me ask you just real quick. I, I saw this conversation a few times out there. Is he someone? I mean, where does he fall into any of these companies? I mean, it's, I know he was, you know, headlining Impact and all that. And hell, I mean, you, you put anybody in Impact, it's hard to move that needle. Is he someone that moves numbers, or is he just a, a great hand to have in your mid card? I don't
0: think that he moves numbers. Uh, just by redebuting. I don't think anybody's been wondering where in the hell John Morrison has been for the last 10 years inside of the WWE. But I think if you bring him in and you don't bury him inside of the booking, he's somebody who could be that top of the second tier, flirt with the main event every once in a while kind of guy. Like, very similar to a Miz. I think he could be a
1: Miz-level heel. I mean, they have their ties with each other as well going back. You know, I think, you know, when you bring him in, like when you reintroduce him, as you said, I don't think you get nearly a, a significant pop if you just hit the old music and he comes out and does the, you know, the slow mo pose. I, I think loved you go- that man. I always thought that entrance was so fucking no, cool. I'm not knocking the entrance. I just don't think, as you said, the audience hasn't been clamoring. Where the hell yeah. is? No, Moe you know, Is, is Jomo for all these years? That's not the issue. I think you need to find you got to find a gimmick to bring him back in. Just kind of off the top of my head, you know, I've talked about this for a while. I'd love to see a crossover between, and, and you've got the tie-ins between NBC Universal, between WWE and American Ninja. Oh yeah. I didn't, you know, go work American Ninja. Try the course, and then announce that he's on his way back to WWE. If he can succeed on that course, but then you kind of run the risk of you know, like you did with Brawl for All, with with Bart Gunn. You know, he goes through it, looks great. He's a tough badass. Now we're gonna really get him over. This is his moment. He's gonna go in there against Butterbean and he just gets, you know, gets his ass whooped. But he goes out there and fails on that course, you know, he's dead on arrival. But if he can go out there, and I gotta believe he can, because is Mr. CrossFit. Screw you, Seth Rollins. Joe boat has got your ass beat here. I think if you do something along those lines to introduce him and start building, you know, that that fan base back up, he could have a great run. And I I think he'd be a tremendous hand. I'd love to see him with a significant run with like an IC or a US championship.
0: You just you have to book him right, um, and he is such a strange personality. Like when he was on Survivor, because he does have some crossover appeal now. He's made a couple movies. He, he did Survivor, but he's just a very odd personality. Like when he went on survivor, he was wearing a jacket that said that he was the king of Slamtown, Like, you know, and he's still wearing like the, the cross glasses and all that shit. Like that's very much his personality. And I, I, I don't think that, giving him a bad script to go out there and perform is going to do John Morrison any kind of favors. Letting him go out there and work is what's going to do him any kind of favors, but giving him a microphone and letting him just stand in the ring and cut promos never really been that guy's thing. And that's going to be so much of, well, at least I assume that's going to be a lot of Monday night raw. We're going to talk about SmackDown and the shakeup that they're doing there. And I don't know what the hell to expect out of Friday night SmackDown at this point.
1: Well, I was saying, you know, that's why I like, you know, and it could be something else. I just like to get that appeal to show his athleticism. Besides just, you know, the run of the mill, go out there, hit your spots in the ring. Let's show that you can do other things there. And then when I did, when I would bring him back, going back to what you mentioned, you got that tie-in. I might pair him up with the Miz for like six months. Let the Miz do some talking for him Why he's showing, you know, reminding people what he can do inside the ring there. And then hopefully you get something going for him. I could get behind it.
0: Uh, commentary team shakeup. Uh, starting Monday, we are going to see the new graphics. I've also heard that we're going to see the return of Pyro. Um, they've got a new theme song. They also have a new voice. Vic Joseph taking over as the voice of Monday Night Raw. He is going to be joined alongside Dio Madden, who evidently has been doing some work on 205 Live. I don't think I've ever heard this gentleman's commentary. And Jerry the King Lawler, at least on a temporary basis. It sounds like this is kind of a short-term thing while they try to figure out exactly who they want to slide into that third person on the Monday Night Raw booth. Rick, this is going to be interesting, this season premiere of Monday Night Raw. It's going to have a very different look, a very different sound. What are you expecting Monday for Raw?
1: Well, yeah, first of all, I'd like to say, you know, someone that, you know, that studies quite a bit of commentary to play-by-play. I am a big fan of Victor Joseph. I really like his delivery, like his pitch. I think he takes care of business quite well. Looking forward to seeing you know, how he transitions into you know, that raw position there. Uh, but this, this really reminds me of this, this big change coming to Monday nights. And you know, some of the fans are you know, obviously they're going to find things to be down on. One was, oh, Lawler. Well, Yeah, you're bringing in Lawler, Lawler because the consumer, they like familiar things. You can't just throw everything new at them. So Jerry's going to give you that comfort zone. You know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get those corny jokes. He's going to keep the entertainment moving. And he's going to give you some good insight. there. I mean, he's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, tremendous professional, you know, professional in every sense of the word there when it comes to, you know, his presentation and all that. Uh, so he's going to give you that. The t- two new guys are going to transition. They're going to transition them in here a little bit. But overall, you know, everyone is so excited about Fox. And you you brought this up the other day on Facebook and how many media discussion Group. Everyone's Fox this, Fox that. Fox wants Fox wants Bray Wyatt. You said, "Hey, did everyone just forget about USA? Uh, about NBC? You know, they want these talents too. They're also paying you know more money than they've ever paid before. They're paying they should, more money than Fox. Fox is paying two hundred and thirty-five
0: million, and NBC Universal is paying two sixty-five, and the difference there
1: is that third hour of Raw." Right. Okay. And then, but and they they've been in business together since the '80s. I mean, everyone's forgetting about that because, you know, just like we we're talking about with AEW, everyone's worried about that sexy new girl at school, you know, or, you know, the hot new item that's out there on the market. Everyone's focusing on that. USA, is they want to be just as much in play. So with all the excitement, everything going on, how's, what's the presentation going to be like on, on Fox? How's it going to look? How are they going to present the thing? That makes it all more important for Raw itself to reinvent itself.
0: I'm looking forward to this. I've thought Monday Night Raw could use a new coat of paint for at least probably the last five years, if not 10. It was time for Mitchell Cole to move on from Monday Night Raw.
1: Well, and I I think, you know, what's great there, and I've seen some people knocking him to, well, if it's supposed to be more sports, where are they going to go, Cole? It's, again, Cole knows that system. I mean, this guy has earned an opportunity like this to shine on a grand stage like that at Fox on national television. And you might not understand it. Michael Cole is very good at what he does. Yes, he is excellent. Now, just because some individuals think he needs to be out there as a, you know, you know as brother calling every play and overexcited all the time, that's not his role. You no, know, what what he is meant to do, he does perfectly, and he is going to help them transition perfectly into Fox.
0: Yep, I, I think so as well. Uh, I, and I think Mitchell Cole moving to SmackDown is a big story. Because I expected that he was just going to move backstage. Um, There's been quite a bit of talk for a very long time. He produces all of the commentators inside of the WWE system, in case people don't know that. And there's been a lot of talk of Mitchell Cole moving backstage for that position full time. And I expect that to happen anytime in the next couple of years. But they are going to go with Mitchell Cole off the top on SmackDown. He's going to be paired with Corey Graves. And nobody... It's going to be a two-man booth, and I am so looking forward to that. Um, People who want to rip on Mitchell Cole, go back and listen to that NXT UK tournament. When he didn't have Vince McMahon in his air producing him, Mitchell Cole can call the shit out of some play-by-play. I... I, It's just the way that he is produced. Now, initially, everybody kind of lost their minds because Renee Young is being listed now as a special contributor to the commentary team on SmackDown Live. We now know a bit more of what that means. Renee Young and Booker T getting their own show called WWE Backstage on FS1. It's going to be a news-like presentation. I tweeted out a 30-second promo that they did for it last night. Looks very much like the NFL Today. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how they handle this thing, man. Uh, but Renee and Booker T together doing a one-hour show that's basically WWE news. That could be very, very interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to it.
1: I absolutely, uh, I absolutely love this transition. You know, she's proven she had trouble when she was being produced. You put her in these situations here where she is a you know the special the field reporter, or special contributor. That's where she shined. That's why people fell in love with her. That's what rose her through the ranks. Now they're, you know, they're putting her in a position to succeed here. This is her wheelhouse. This is going to be tremendous for them. And, you know, and she's got that great look. She's got a great personality. She's going to pull in viewers here. And, and I hope to help, you know, what's going to help them transition from watching on Fox to going and find this uh, the backstage show is I hope to give her the backstage duties for like a field reporter that you see on Thursday night football or something, you know, or just any Fox sports presentation. Let people get familiar with her in that role. And they will follow her over to the stage show, or to the backstage show.
0: Now, before people get too excited, I have seen the story starting to make its way around the interwebs that CM Punk was at the Fox Studios doing some testing for this show. Uh, This is not a surprise. We've been talking about this ever since StarCast. Jim Ross let it slip on his podcast that he was actually offered that position. He turned it down, but also that Phil Brooks was in the running for that position. This is a this is not CM Punk returning to the WWE. This is a position that Fox is offering to somebody to be on the show. Uh, This would be a Fox employee and report to Fox people not WWE people, which makes CM Punk a very interesting choice. And especially in a commentary role, because he knocks the hell out of the commentary on those UFC shows.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously going to bring him in here and this, again, this goes back to where everyone thinks that, you know, that the wrestling promotion is going to control everything. These networks are going to have a heavy hand in the direction of these shows. And this right here, I mean, this is, this is proof in the pudding that they're, you know, they're looking at someone, That's going to not only be involved, but it's going to kind of be, you know, that gateway, you know, from the network to the promotion.
0: Tom Phillips, Byron Saxton, we wish you the best in your future endeavors. Don't know what's going to happen to those guys. Maybe they're going to be the new announced team on 205 Live. Okay, there we go somebody's got to do it. Uh, so we'll talk about this more inside the locker room, but your Raw premiere, Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio. Mid's TV is going to feature Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. They're going to hope that they don't get Hogan booed out of the building. Brock Lesnar is going to be on Monday Night Raw, as well as a couple of championship matches. Rudolph versus Heavy Machinery for the Raw Tag Team Championships, assuming Tucky can find his gear. AJ Styles versus Cedric Alexander for the U.S. title. And then we're going to have Alexa Bliss versus Sasha Banks.
1: Rick, what do you think of this for your Raw premiere? Uh, I think, you know, they're pulling out the stops here. You got some of the legends coming back to kind of to, to spike that rating for you. We've got some big championship matches. uh I mean, hell, we got the Universal Championship. You got the Tag Team Championship. Uh, you got a, a, a good marquee for your women's division in Bliss versus Banks. Hey, they're going to get, I think Raw's got to set the tone for this week from the new look, the new dynamic and right here and i like that they've actually laid out an entire card for us we're not playing a guessing game
0: yeah a lot of wrestling for monday night raw that that surprises me a little bit Uh, SmackDown on Fox advertising Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Becky and Charlotte take on the Ratchet Connection, otherwise known as Sasha and Bayley. Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon in a career ladder match. That's really the one that I wanted to talk to you about, Huckleberry. This thing going down Friday on Fox. I thought this was interesting because, oh yeah, Hell in a Cell is on Sunday. And we only have three matches announced for Hell in a Cell.
1: Well, again, yeah, I don't think WWE is just kind of hoping that they're selling that the Fiend is going to sell Hell in a Cell right now. They're hoping that the gimmick itself is and its. Come on, that's only on the network. They're, they're more worried about what's happening in the transition on television right now. So, I mean, that's where the focal point is. I don't think we should be surprised at all about that.
0: I think we should just cancel Hell in a Cell. We are going to get a blue carpet special at 7.30 p.m. on Fox leading into the premiere. You know, Rick, they were advertising this as, the, you know, the 20th anniversary of SmackDown initially. I Is that what they're going to do for that other half hour? Because I'm not seeing a whole lot of space for legends and whatnot on the show with the way they already have four, three matches
1: announced. Well, you know, it seems that I mean, these matches themselves, uh, you know, we're hoping that, you know, Lesnar Kofi isn't a squash, you know, with the great run that Kofi had, that he is given an opportunity to go out there and work Lesnar to show that he still is, uh, you know, a focal point that he's someone that they can depend on that fans should get behind moving forward. That ladder match. I mean, you think that's got to be given some time there. You Uh, you the ladies could go out there. They could, you know, if you need them to, they can go 1720 for you. Uh, So. You know, maybe between these three matches, you know, they're planning, that's an hour of the programming and then we'll have the filler with the legends for, for the other app, you know, good hour of the show.
0: So is this how we get rid of Shane McMahon for a while? Or is this going to be how Kevin Owens goes to NXT?
1: Uh, That's, you know, that's, that's the hook right now. I mean, that's what we got. That's some of the interest here in the story.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Hell in a Cell. Seth is going to take on the Fiend, obviously inside of Hell in a Cell. Rick, I'm curious to see how The Fiend is going to play into this week in the season premieres because he's not advertised for either show. But if we're going to have legends, obviously everybody is fair game right off the bat. I mean, personally, I want to see him shove his dirty little fingers down Hulk Hogan's throat.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if any time a legend is in the building, I mean, you got to have your head on a swivel, knowing that the, at any time the scene can strike. And you got all, you know, the, you know, the speculation, the hot rumors going around, you know, what show they both are bidding for him. You've got, you know, now the news coming out. Uh, the first time I had seen it, there was uh, William Alcia reporting it that he's going to reach two million for the month in merchandise sales. Yeah. and And but this is the thing that's
0: driving me crazy about this, right? That would be great if you had a red hot baby face. They're still presenting him as a heel.
1: I mean, don't doesn't that tell you that we got a real freaking problem here? <laughs> what I, I, you know, going back to what I was comparing, you know, you, when I was talking about Omega there, and I mean, this is the perfect comparison in wrestling to the Joker. You know, people get behind that psychopath right now, and that's I don't this this kind of fell in their lap. I don't think they ever had the intention of, that, of this thing. And now it looks like they're pushing this thing forward here, but you know if you go ahead and you're, they're kind of they're they're in a really tough position here. You go forward with the fiend and put that title on him. You now who is that next challenge? You now who can step into that role there? Either championship, you're not going to really it, whoever it is, they're going to get booed to hell out of. Let's say somehow though we were talking about a, a screw job finish here at Hell in a Cell where Rollins can retain. Come, you know, whatever, you know, come Monday or, you know, next Monday or whatever. Rollins is going to get booed to hell out of that building.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked about the slow burial of Seth Rollins. This could be the final nail in the coffin right here. Uh, Becky Lynch is going to take on Sasha Banks, also hell in a cell for the Raw Women's Championship. Rick, are, are you still into this program? Because last month it felt like that was going to be the kickoff to this program. But now it feels even colder than it was last month.
1: I was hardly into this thing when it kicked off.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's like we've built more to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defending the women's tag titles against the Ratchet Connection than we have this individual singles match inside of Hell in a Cell. It just it feels so disconnected.
1: Even on that, I mean, immediately I have no interest in the Ratchet Connection going back after those championships because the first thing Sasha did when she returned was tell us that the division is a piece of shit and she didn't care about it. That's why she left. And and now now all of a sudden that she's interested in her and and barely going back and recapturing those championships. I mean, you talk about losing your direction and dropping the logic out of your storytelling. That's right here. The first thing she did is tell me, do not care about those championships. And now I'm supposed to get interested because for whatever reason, they're going for those. No, I mean, I'm already checked out on this.
0: I also find it interesting that between the two season premieres, arguably the biggest star in the company, Becky Lynch, not advertised for anything. Oh no, she is in that women's tag match. Yeah, um, the horse women tag match.
1: I uh, on SmackDown,
0: yeah. even though she's the Raw Women's Champion.
1: Well, and. In you know, arguably over the summer, she was one of the hottest things in your company. The man was sweeping, you know, was sweeping the universe, if you will. I think the most interesting thing in this women's division was that the man's bitch, Seth Rollins, in a little bit of a, a Twitter catfight with Sasha.
0: Yeah. And he took his ball and went home. Just, that's fine. I'll just deactivate my Twitter. Seth Rollins not doing himself any favors whatsoever. Um let's talk about your big main event because you know, it's got Roman reigns in it. So it's gotta be the main event. Um, now we have reduced ourselves to Daniel Bryan turning babyface again to help get Roman reigns over at hell in a cell against the bludgeon brothers, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Rick, is this all a ruse? Is it, is this going to end up with Brian turning on Roman going into the Fox deal? Or was it the Fox executives were like, Um, yeah. So about Daniel Bryan, uh, we really like that. Yes. Chant. We would like that to catch on, you know, with the college football audience and the NFL audience. And if you could make him a good guy again,
1: that would be great. Well, obviously, you know, Fox has highlighted that during, as you perfectly mentioned there, we've seen it during baseball playoffs. We've seen it during big college football games where they have actually themselves have highlighted it on their programming. Someone might've been, Hey, uh, what about that? Yes, guy. And they, they got some film of what he's currently doing. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. Hey, wait
0: a minute. Angry vegan Kurt Cobain? No, 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 no.
1: No, we, we want the guy that's going to excite our audiences. We want those visuals. You got to believe that's very true. But then again, you know, this could be a swerve. Uh, you could get where uh, Brian goes out and delivers uh, in mocking fashion. Roman, it was me all along. It was me, Roman.
0: That's what I'm scared of. You know, and I just no, I don't want that. I don't want that at all.
1: I, I'm gonna go with it as we talk about the network and their influence. what happened to that yes guy? you know, that our, our crowds were going crazy for and you know, we had the, the we had the, the guys in the playoffs in the locker room, all with the yes chant going on. What's, what's up with that guy? What's he? And then they see what he's doing now, they're like, No, 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 no. Yep,
0: I think that's exactly what happened. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening and if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM Podcast Network online hittingthemarks.com Be sure that you visit our sponsors over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Find Huckleberry and I this Monday inside the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com We'll be talking a whole bunch of New Japan Pro Wrestling as well as laying out what's going to be going on this week. Talk about Raw and SmackDown a bit more in depth. Visit our friend Jamie over at last word on prowrestling.com for all of your news throughout the weekend hopefully we get some more updates on this rush and dragon lee situation you can find me across all social media platforms at not jargo rbv how do the peeps the freaks and the geeks and you know what
1: for matt taven the melvins find you well, as always, you can follow me across all social media platforms at the Real RBV. But as you kind of led into there, next week some big changes happen—not just you know for television, not just for the promotions around the globe, but so much going on with the Hameen Media Group, them HTM boys on HMG. We're gonna keep doing our same thing. Monday locker room, we're gonna be—we're uh, not just leading in to what's going on for television, what's going on with the big promotions. But we're gonna lay out too all the exciting changes you can expect from the programming on. You know, the Hami media platform, and there's some big things to come. Some exciting new shows, some new clothes, advertising opportunities for anybody out there. It's a great time uh, to be on board with Hami.
0: We'll talk to you Monday inside the locker room for now. We're off like a prom dress. Say
1: up. Yep. Watch
0: your fingers. Label
1: me. Don't give up. i back off.
0: Driping the blame on me! I smell self-righteousness! That's the bad guy! Go!
1: Creepin' the blame
0: on me I smell self-righteousness That's the bad guy Boom! Oh.